Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Here we go again. It's another exciting week here on Action Radio. Um, well, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a lot of guest plans. I don't think I have any guest plan this week. Uh, last week, we had a couple of cool folks. We had Lawyer Lisa and uh, last week. Well, maybe that was it. But uh, it's, um, it's the summertime. You know, I'm having trouble getting guests. They're, they're doing stuff. They're all hanging out at the beach. You know, they're just kind of cruising and taking it easy. This is a pretty lazy time of year. Besides that, it's hot out. I feel like, oh, no, global warming. Well, it's called summertime. <laughs> of course, it's global warming. It's, it's always warming in the summertime. But it's also global cooling at the other side of the, or, of the earth, you know, below the equator, down there in the southern hemisphere. So that's what's happening. Um, we have, I think this is going to be a, a very interesting day. Uh, I've been sort of gathering stuff from Ukraine. And I was talking to somebody about investigating and how you investigate and where I find the articles I find. Um, and the reason I find the articles that I find is because I look for them. I look for specific titles. You know, I had uh, an idea last night, and I said, well, what, what can I find in the Ukraine war? Well, let's put into the search engine, the Ukraine war cannot be won. And, of course, you get 30 articles of why it can be won, which is all leftist propaganda. And once you get past them and see the article, then you get to, like, the good one. Well, and I found that one. So usually one out of between 30 and 50 articles that I look at is actually useful for the show. And so it just depends. But you've got you to gotta put the right question in. Uh, it's like way back when I started doing things with uh, COVID. And this is back in February of 2020. And I asked three words, what kills viruses? Because I knew that the vaccine was a crock. You don't, you don't, you know, try and make something that takes 15 years and build up immunity, you know, for something for a virus that's already here. You treat it and you kill it. That's how you treat That's what you do with a disease that's already here. You know, and, and so I knew this was a bunch of BS because it, it was already too late. And it was illogical to think that you should, you know, totally skip treatments for something that's already here. That's how New Fauci was a, was, a, was a liar and a fraud because all they talked about was vaccines. Well, that's, that's crazy. That makes no sense. And so you use a little bit of simple logic and away you go. And then, of course, you get into this cult of the expert. And the cult of the expert, uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, Pianchi and I were talking about this. We, we used to have this leftist caller that's, that would say, well, you're not an expert. You're not a doctor. You know, or, or she asked me once, uh, do you know as much as the Supreme Court judge? And I'm thinking to myself, about what? <laughs> you know, I mean, some things, yeah, some things, no, but that's not the point. But what she was really saying is you don't have the right to question unless you have the same degree they do. And, of course, my answer is, well, that would, uh, that would take all reporters out of questioning anybody uh, for something they don't have a degree, a degree in. So if a reporter is not uh, a lawyer, I guess they can't ask a politician who is a lawyer a question because they're not an expert. They wouldn't understand. You know, and, and this could go anywhere. I mean, how do people vote unless they have a degree in whatever the person they're voting for also has Cause, so they can determine whether they're an expert or not and, and be able to ask a question. So it gets really stupid and silly. But uh, a, lot, a lot of times the question asked is not, is not actually the question that's being asked. So the title of the show today, and I got Josh on the line. I'll get to him in just a, just a little bit here. Um, so, America, how does it feel to be a colony of the Ukraine? And we'll talk more and more about this as the hour goes on. But it seems to me that whenever uh, the deep state, uh, the military-industrial complex, gets uh, – yeah, Marco's there. <laughs> yeah, hey, Marco. Marco's in the Netherlands. So I've got Josh in Illinois. I've got Marco in the Netherlands. And I've got whoever else is, ever else is listening now or will be listening you know, during one of the podcasts. Uh, and still, most people are listening by podcast. I really like to get you live if possible when you can simply because 
uh, the live chat is available when we're live. And you can call in. We've got a Skype line. You know, well, I'll give the information in just a minute. I've got a new uh, promo on that. Um, but uh, it seems to me that uh, when we get one of these undeclared, illegal, unconstitutional, you know, multi-trillion dollar, wasteful nation building things that really aren't wars, um, or, but it's, a, it's like a state of war, but it's not really a war. A real war, you go in, you, you kill the enemy, and you go home. You know, but our wars, we don't do that anymore. Now, now we just kind of uh, go in and spend money. It's like we don't use bullets, we use money. Well, yeah, there's bullets involved, but for the most part, we're spending money. And we're spending lots of money. You know, we're spending money that we could spend here. <laughs> you know, and it, it's uh, so these countries become like colonial masters. I mean, Afghanistan was our colonial master because it took so much money and so many people and took our arms and then they kept them. Well, that's what, that's what a, a colonist would do. That's what the British did when they went around to different, uh, different countries. You know, they took all the resources, they took all their, the, the people who worked for them, they paid taxes, and it all, it all went to the colonial masters. Well, it's like we turn these countries into, into uh, masters, colonial masters. So Ukraine is now master of, of the U.S. because you've got the stand-up comedian who, who faked playing a piano with his man part uh, on a video, which is actually rather funny, by the way, but that doesn't make you a presidential leader or a prime minister who, who wears his you know, green fatigues, much like uh, Fidel Castro whenever he went to the U.N. Uh, to look very military, you know, uh, gets up there and um, says, well, well, America's sons and daughters have to come fight alongside with us. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> This is your problem. This is your country. This is an Eastern European problem. This is a European problem. But the one problem it's not is an American problem because the, so- the Soviet Union, because Russia is not going to attack the United States from the Ukraine. Ain't going to happen. You know, so when you look at all this, how all this goes, in fact, I got a fascinating article on how it's uh, very much like uh, the reason that, we can, that Ukraine can't be the Soviet Union is the same reason that the South could not beat the Union in the, in the Civil War here. Uh, it, it's fascinating. Anyway, so that's the kind of stuff that's going on. So as, as you look at what's happening with Ukraine, uh, they are acting or we are, in fact, it's, it's kind of like the reverse. They're not acting as a colonial power. We are making them a colonial power and a corrupt one at that because they've got uh, money laundering. You, you know, you've got the Clinton Foundation and, the, uh, and all the Democrats, probably Republicans, too. You know, it's a money laundering operation. It's definitely a, a drug operation. I'm sure it's a child trafficking operation. Um, they've got bio labs, so they've got the, the bio warfare operation. They're a money pit, which will take endless amount of money. They're out of ammo. They really can't wage war anymore. The only ability they have to wage war is uh, from stuff that we're giving them. So if we didn't give them anything, then the war would be over. <laughs> because, you know, if, if one side can't fight, the war ends. That's how it works, right? So they'd actually have to do what we've wanted all along, which is a negotiated peace. And so that was always the result. It was the, Ukraine was never going to win the war. Uh, they're just going to, it's only a question of how badly they're going to lose the war and how much we're going to spend having them lose the war and, and go to what we're going to go to anyway without the war, which is a negotiated peace. That's where we stand. So we're the colony. We're the colony that supplies the tax dollars, the arms, the people. You know, we've got F-16s, cluster bombs, all kinds of other, you know, war crimes materials that are going over there. And uh, we're doing everything possible to reduce ourselves to a colony of Ukraine. And quite frankly, I'm sick of it. I didn't want to be a colony of Iraq. I didn't want to be a colony of Afghanistan. I certainly didn't want to be a colony of Vietnam back then. You know, that we become colonies of these countries, in effect, because they control us. They control our agenda. Everything that happens in Washington is now based on what happens in Ukraine, <laughs> including climate change, according to uh, John Kerry. So it's a really quite a fascinating thing. All right. Let me play a promo, my new promo here with our information, and then I'll get to Josh and see what's on his mind. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. 
The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. All right, let's bring on uh, Josh and see what's on his mind. Good morning, sir. What's going on? I just wanted to point out that you brought up the Vietnam War, and uh, that really showed your there, bud. That really showed what now? I missed what you said. You're, you're, I'm sorry. That showed your age there, bud. I'm 63. I show my age all the time. <laughs> the, the old guard. The old guard, on the, <laughs> the old guard on the network. No, um, I, I think that's obviously ridiculous because uh, what they're actually asking for is not only our resources, uh, but they're actually – Zelensky coming out and saying, your kids might have to come over here and fight alongside us. I said they no. would. Not, not might. Would. We do have to no, fight alongside them. No, that's so not going to happen. Well, yeah, well I, uh, wait I a minute. We, we got 3,000 we, we well, observers that just you went see over. Vivek, did you see Vivek Ramaswamy? Uh, he was like, yeah, we can give them the Donbass, and they already have Crimea. We could probably just... Not what, what do you mean, what do you mean we can give them? No. They've already taken it. <laughs> it's not a question of, of, of we can give them. We're not going to, you know, it's not ours to give or ours to take back. It's got nothing to do with us. Yes, sir. That's what I'm saying. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with us at all. Mm-hmm. We can only be mediators with mm-hmm. the biggest arsenal to respond. Yeah. It, uh, Tucker Carlson did that thing over there at uh, TPUSA's event uh, like two days ago. He was mm-hmm. like, uh, when I see two of my kids fighting, you know, I, I, I can compare this to global politics in the same way that I can have it in my household. When I come home and two of my kids, I don't care who's right or wrong. When I walk in, daddy's home. You better stop fighting. Yeah, and that's what well, America see, there is, is no supposed daddy. to be. <laughs> there is no daddy. That's in, what America is in... supposed to be. That's well, what yeah, we're supposed but, to be on the world stage. Um, that's good. That's an interesting point. I haven't thought about it. I'm going to have to uh, think about how that works. I don't want to be the daddy because the daddy is responsible. Uh, an authority figure, I think what we should be is kind of like the uh, – I want to be a good place for us to be. 
Hmm. So like the guiding principle is like we lead by example, but we don't enforce. And I, I don't know how you'd put that. I mean, our job is not to, oh, uh, to be uh, the, the police officer. Um, our job is to be like the inspiration. Uh, what know. was that? What was that? Um, the home improvement, the neighbor that had his, his, uh, only his eyes over the fence. That's what we should be. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I think I think we can definitely have leadership positions, but we're not we're not like um, Michael Rennie's robot, you know, the day the earth stood still. We're not Klaatu, <laughs> you know. So it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I love movie metaphors, uh, especially before my time, uh, which is kind of funny. But yeah, you know, it's like people. Oh, I love when you joked about that. Well, you're showing your age, dude. Well, hell, I listened to Beethoven, and uh, you know, but I wasn't born then, <laughs> like 1850. Um, doesn't mean it's not good. All right, so what do you think of uh, Vivek? I'd be really curious what your, your take on Vivek uh, Swami is. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I think that he would be an awesome vice president either way. Why? Because no matter – why do I think that? Because I think he's mm-hmm. very annoying uh, in the <laughs> national conversation. That's, that's a great analogy. He's annoying. That's, that's a great vice president. But see, vice presidents, you pick a vice president because they could be president. That's the number one duty of the no, vice president no. is to be able to be president, Buddy, which is why Kamala Harris isn't qualified to be dog catcher. Oh, um, I mean, oh yeah, no, she'd be she pretty she yeah no she is qualified to wash the toilets maybe. Um, well, no, but she's part of the idiocracy. I mean, the, you look at the entire uh, government you said that the was word stolen. Idiocracy and, out loud. I said idiocracy out loud. Yeah, no, you've got a government that was stolen and staffed by morons, complete idiots. You know, you look at any of the cabinet officials. In fact, I got a I got a column coming out. You know, government is never wrong. You know, which is a, I mean, you, you want to talk about irony uh, and satire. I mean, the whole piece is like contradiction. But uh, I was working out this morning. I was working out last night. Uh, I was hoping to get it done before the show, but eh, not quite yet. <laughs> it's, it's not. You know, it's like sculpture. When it's done, it's done, and until then, it's not done. Uh, so I don't release it until it's done. Um, so I'll, I'll get there on that. But uh, yeah, but. Um, Talking about, uh, I forgot how I got into this, this tack, but yeah, Swami, um, I found some, I asked, um, I was looking at the internet last night, I said, you know, who is this guy? What, um, and there was a, there's a column by J.D. Rucker a while back, a couple of weeks ago, talking about how he reminds him of Obama. And it got me thinking, I didn't trust him in the beginning because he's too slick. I never trust anybody that's too slick. And so I'm looking at Swami, and I go, there's something wrong with this guy. I don't know what it is. Then I read the, the J.D. Rucker piece saying he's like Obama. He's young. He's, you know, he's like hope and change and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, he's a minority. He's a person of color. You know, he's a young, successful businessman, so that'll appeal to the conservatives, as opposed to a young community organizer, which would appeal to the Democrats in, in the case of Obama. But he's like Obama, too. I don't trust this guy one bit. I think there's something really wrong with him, really dangerous about him. Uh, it's just, I mean, how do you make a you know, multi-billion dollars at 37 years old with no obvious product that he's invented? What has he invented? What, uh, what, what I, did he create can, that gave him 37 billion dollars? Can I, can I, toss, uh, can I toss an alternative? Ah, can please. I toss an alternative? Sure. Make him the Secretary of Transportation. Apparently, anybody can do that. Mm. Apparently, anybody can sit on the, on the Supreme Court. Anybody can be Secretary of Energy. Anybody can be Secretary of State. Anybody can be Secretary of Defense. I can pick any office. You can put any stupid moron. You're missing the the forest for the trees. You could could take five homeless people, and they probably do a better job than the current cabinet. (laughs) Because they're all idiots. Okay. You know what, what, Greg? I I actually agree with you. Yes. No, I agree with you. What do you mean actually agree with me? Like it never happens? We can agree. We agree on a bunch of stuff. But something wrong with Swami. I'm calling him Swami just because I think it's funny. Uh, but what's, what is it about him that he's too perfect? 
You know, there's something. And I know, I know that. No, but that's why he he can never win. He can never win like uh, like mm-hmm. now, like right mm-hmm. now. There's no way mm-hmm. in heck he might be like third or fourth. Like he's he he would make like a really awesome. Well, no, I already told you he would be. What's his track Secretary record? of Transportation. What, what's his track record? His, what's, tra- what's his track record is being uh, a brown guy and uh, mm-hmm. being worth uh, millions of dollars. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, billions of dollars. And how do you make his money? No, 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 no. His business that he created, the biotech industry business he created, is worth billions. He's only worth hundreds of millions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and what what products have they brought to the market? You and me are in the same boat, not knowing that. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no See, idea. That's what, the question. What, no. what, what products did he bring to market? Okay, it's like Moderna. Moderna was created to create messenger RNA vaccines. You know, as part of the the, the pandemic, we know why they were created. You know, they they hack the software of life. They take computer programs, binary codes, and uh, combine that with uh, with messenger RNA with uh, amino acids, and that's how they uh, you know they create their own uh, stuff. It's fascinating technology, yeah, no, but, his, but Moderna doesn't actually own whole, anything. <laughs> they don't actually own his whole, vaccines. Or, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. No, I wasn't trying to interrupt you. His whole claim to fame was that um, he was uh, the CEO of a biotech company. And hmm. after uh, everybody was trying to push him onto the BLM stuff, and he was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then he was pushed out of his own company, and he sold all of his shares. And well, what's his background? So that, he, he doesn't look like Wesley Snipes or, or Martin Luther King. Who is he? He looks more like uh, Dinesh D'Souza. <laughs> I'm just curious if I can joke. Oh, my God. You really – okay. No, no, we went there. Um, no, no. <laughs> what, I, do mean, what do you mean no, we I went think, there? We, I, we always uh, go this, there. <laughs> this, is my, this is my whole thing about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. He mm-hmm. is the most um, intelligent person on the stage in like 40% of the topics that they're talking about. But he – and he even has the personality, the – upward mobility, the way that you want to energize people. He doesn't have the track record at all. Mm-hmm. And you know, neither did Trump, but Trump, He's Obama. Trump well, no, had 80%. Trump, oh, Trump come had, on, had don't you call him Obama. Don't do that to him. Obama, Obama was a senator. No, no, Hope and Obama. Change. Hope and change, okay, baby. Time out, time out. Swami, nope, nope, Swami, nope. hope and change. Time it's out, coming. time Watch. out, time out. Watch. You know why you're wrong? <laughs> Three you know panel picture. <laughs> do you know why you're wrong? Why? Okay. Obama was uh he wrote his dissertation to like be the big dog uh off of Sololinsky. Mhm. The same thing that Hillary Clinton did. Mhm. He was a community manager. Mhm. Organizer. In Chicago. Yeah, I'm sorry. Acorn. Okay, yeah, but this guy's this guy's from Ohio. You know how mm. many things are pretty sweet in Ohio these days? Mhm. They get trains derailing, I know that. Okay, me, you know uh, what? Me, uh, okay, that was a low me, blow. All right, hold on, that hold was on. a low okay, blow. Let me, uh, no, it wasn't. Let me, let me read you a headline here. Now, Pianki's on the line, too. So let me read you a headline. Vivek Ramaswamy paid to get Soros connection erased from Wikipedia page. Oops. Told you he was a plant. Is, is that real? It. Yeah, it's the Huffington Post. It's by David Moy, M-O-Y-E, May 3rd, 2023, 3.50 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. A Wikipedia editor's page notes they apparently accepted money to edit the GOP presidential candidate's article. I told you it was a Soros plan. You didn't believe me. 
I'm just getting your view before I before I sprung this on you. <clears throat> the article says. Republican oh, all my feelings. I told, sorry, but I, I, I'm so bad. <laughs> we went there, yeah, like you said. Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, affectionately known here as Swami, reportedly paid to have his Wikipedia page scrubbed of potentially politically damaging details about his past. Mediaite is reporting that the page now includes a warning that this article has, quote, multiple issues, quote, contains paid contributions and may require cleanup to comply with Wikipedia's content policies, particularly neutral point of view. The Wikipedia's article version history shows that in February, an editor identified by Mediaite as Jay Offerman, I'll find out who that is in a bit, removed lines about Ramaswamy receiving a Paul and Daisy Soros fellowship for New Americans in 2011. Since Paul Soros is the older brother of billionaire George Soros, who funds many progressive causes, it's understandable Ramaswamy wouldn't want potential voters to be aware of that connection. Notice he doesn't brag about it. He didn't say about it at the Turning Point uh, speech. It says Ramaswamy's speech was also edited to remove his role on the state of Ohio's COVID-19 response team. He's a COVID vaxxer. He's biotech, right? So he's probably in on the Pfizer stuff, too. We just haven't been the connection yet. Anyway, it says, which an editor I, noted. I, okay, uh, I'm not done. Hold on. I'll, just, I'll give you a chance. I just, I just wanted to uh, clarify uh, Trump 2024. Okay, fine. Ramaswamy's page was also edited to remove his role on the state of Ohio's COVID-19 response team, which an editor noted came on Ramaswamy's request to have his COVID-era work removed. Meanwhile, the editor deemed Ramaswamy Soros Fellowship, quote, Extraneous material. In other words, really valuable stuff. Ramaswamy announced his presidential run, here we go, just two weeks after the changes to the Wikipedia page. How effing convenient is that? <clears throat> that's not in the article, that's me. Jay Hofferman's user page on the website notes that Ramaswamy paid him for his work on the page. Wikipedia editors deba- uh, debated the conflict of interest after the alterations were made. Mediaite notes that the reference to Ramaswamy's fellowship was later added to the page, but his work on Ohio's COVID team is still absent. Now, what do you think? No, uh, no, legitimately, uh, he he was he <laughs> he he had a bunch of money, and uh, he seemed mm-hmm. pretty suave, and um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump Soros had planet. a bunch of money, but he pissed everybody off. So, yeah, but, um, but Trump didn't take a Soros, uh, you know, award. <laughs> it's a little bit different. Yeah, Let's well, no, um, uh, they mm-hmm. they also they keep they keep putting um, American politicians on the WEF like platform, and I think um, like eight politicians in America are suing them for like we're not involved with you at all. Yeah, that, I'm not going to worry about that. Yeah, that's, uh, they deserve further investigation, but not today. Um, Pianchi, what do you think of uh, George Soros or, or Soros awarded Vigvek Ramaswamy? Pianchi. Well, good morning to you. Morning. You and your guest, Alan. No, it's Josh. Josh, <laughs> no, no, you how you Josh I'm sorry. You know, I run through so many names. No, know, he's so uh, confusing here. <laughs> he, he outwardly supports uh, Article 5, Convention of States, along with Ben Shapiro, Colonel Allen West, and Ben Carson. So that's, Isn't that special? That's very good plus with me. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's not going to get anywhere with me. But what do you think about the the thing that I think he's hiding? I, I don't trust him. You. You're just one person. It may not well, get in a place with you, but a lot of other things don't get in place with you. So everybody, people have a right. Pianchi, everybody's just one person. Their, right. What? 
I have to, yeah. Hey, do you see that comment? Do you see that meme I put in Facebook? You know, you're all wrong. It's like one person, you know, addressing about 10 million. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's a, that's if I'm right, I'm right. Well, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So do you trust Vivek Swami? Yeah, yeah I trust Ben Swami from what I've read so far. Okay. But uh, I don't think, like uh, Josh say, I don't think he's going uh, He's making a show and he's putting his name out there. He's a young face. We need young faces today to attract uh, the uh, younger people. That's one of the things that I emphasize oh, I, I, is that information no, in the young people. I got no problem with that. I, I think, you know, I purposely get young people on the show just for that reason. In fact, I was hoping Amber comes back sometime. Um, but uh, I love having young oh, people on the show. Yeah, uh, I she's in college. She, yeah, I do too. Uh, do, do you know my favorite thing that Ramaswamy said in public? Like, uh, Oh, please share. Platform? Okay, go for it. Okay, let's do some arm circles right now. We're about to burn a calorie. He uh, he said uh, uh, when he was talking to Tim Pool, he said that he um, he thinks that uh, for people to like because the vote is not a right, it's a privilege, just like driving. He said that if people are going to vote, they need to earn it in some way. And he said there may be some civil service requirements in the future. Didn't I see that in um, Starship Troopers? Uh, yeah, I know. I know what you're doing. Yes, and that's actually what they compared it to on the show. Service, but no, Guaranteed you're not gonna. You're not gonna. You're not going to have to hop into a freaking starship trooper, you know, flight to do you go want to learn more, the... Josh? Do you want to learn <laughs> you're more? You're not gonna have to go to Clean Dathu. All right. Uh, all you got it. You know, no clean up. Planet P, trash on the, the side of the planet. road. Well, you know, that's kind of a good suggestion there. I, there's some legitimacy to voting being a privilege and not a right because the way it works now, you hurt so many groups of people into a particular direction when it comes to voting, and they have well, given it no thought. Now, voting – all right, here's, here's my take on this, and these are both really – you're both making really good points. Uh, but voting should – you know, just because something's a right doesn't mean you have to do it. Okay, and the problem with voting is no, it's become a mandate. No, 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 that's oh, let not me, a right. Let me finish. Though. Uh, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. So the whole point is that uh, take take gun rights for example. We have the right to keep and bear arms, but you don't have to carry a gun, and if you can't afford one, the government doesn't give you one. So in order to exercise the right, there are certain things you have to do. If they're in a living, you have to be able to purchase a gun. You have to be an age, which should be 18 for everything. But besides all the arbitrary stuff, but you don't automatically get to exercise it. Same thing with free speech. You can scream and yell all you want, and that's free. But if you want to you know, exercise your free speech on a computer, you've got to buy the computer. Government doesn't give you one just so you can exercise free speech. Voting is the same way. There should be no Herculean efforts made to get anybody to vote. If the nursing home can't get to the polls, you don't vote. Okay? If you can't understand what's on the form because you know, you're in a nursing home, you don't vote. If you're out of the country. You know, and you're on vacation. Isn't that great? Okay, if you can do an absentee ballot, that's all right. But for the most part, these Herculean exceptions, you don't vote. Ballot harvesting, illegal. Mail-in voting, illegal. Go to, I don't mind early voting, but go to the polls yourself. Sign in. Have your ID checked. There are certain criteria. Just as the same thing as you do a background check for guns, you should do a background check for voting. It's the same thing. Make it a right. I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't stop anybody from voting. As an American citizen, of course, illegals can't vote, and we've already had that discussion, but American citizens have the right to vote. It is a right. But a right is just something that is a firewall against a prior right. restraint. 
Oh, let me finish. I'll get, uh, believe me, I'll give you a chance. But a right, let me just finish this point on rights. A right is a firewall. A right is what the government cannot touch ahead of time. Okay? The government cannot touch your right to keep and bear arms. Government cannot touch your right to free speech ahead of time. Now, once you say something or once you take an action with a gun, that's a different thing. Then you fall under statutory law, which is subordinate to the Constitution, and they're illegal and Ill- illegal speech things. Like you can't threaten a public official, you know, because that's a felony. All right? You can't, uh, can't use guns, you know, to carjack. <laughs> that's a felony. All right? But the right beforehand to keep and bear is absolute. The right to speak beforehand is the same thing. The right to vote, sure. However, there's no Herculean effort that needs to be taken. But that's why it's a right. Josh, your turn. Then we'll get to Pianchi. It's not actually a right to vote. Uh, if you go to prison for a violent crime, you don't have the right to vote. It's actually a Okay, that's due process, vote. though. That's, that's removing a right for due process. You can't bring a gun to prison either. Okay, I'm saying that the concept of the right to vote is for a responsible citizen to be able to choose the path forward for your society. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's not the con- – so the concept is great, but that's not what the Constitution says. That's not what the law says. What is the Constitution – I'm sorry, what is the Constitution <laughs> – I love that. What does the Constitution say about the right to vote anywhere in the Constitution? It doesn't. But what I'm saying is it doesn't, give, it doesn't give the government permission to take away you know, your right to vote through due process either. So there's certain things that are, that are said and are not said. State constitutions are different. So I think if you're looking for a right to vote, you're going to find it in the state constitutions. Yeah, but there is no right to vote. There's, no, it's a privilege. Remember, it's a privilege but, to vote. No, I disagree with you. It's a right to vote. I, I, but I also think driving is a right, too, no, because we have a right to it, travel. No, it, it, yes. I, well, yeah, I know. Well, you can go into the Universal Declaration of Human Rights for that. But I nothing to do with that. that. No, no, no. I'm just saying that rights are basically in a free society. How can you have a free society if you can't have the right to travel freely? A right is your mm-hmm. ability to do something without government interference by your creator that does not cause harm to another. Your ability to speak is your right That's to not speak true. because so long as yes, how is that not true? Well, because the Second Amendment, if I'm exercising self-defense, I'm probably going to cause harm to another person. But I'm going to save myself because I'm the good guy. What? No, no, if, no. If you are using – no, you cannot use a right to detriment another person. You can't infringe on another person's right by using your right. You can't harm another by using a firearm. Okay, we're, 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 okay, we're going to get off in a rabbit hole here. No, I don't want to do that. All right, I'm just, I want to get back to Ukraine anyway. I've got a big article I want to get to. Yeah. But, but, so let's get back to Pianchi. So, so where, where do you stand so far? And then I've got a, another article for us as we return back on track. I agree with your, with your analogy on that, Greg. Okay. <clears throat> it's good. And, and Josh, you was, uh, your point you should have made was that uh, that's right is delegated to the states to decide whether a prisoner or not can vote. But also, when you talk about privilege, uh, Barbara Jordan, the congressperson from the state of Texas, said that immigration is a privilege and not a right. Absolutely. So it just depends on what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I still, and I've argued this several times. Now, here's the thing, just one more point on, on, on driving. Uh, you know, they say you need a driver's license to enforce traffic rules and all that kind of stuff. No, you don't. We enforce all kinds of rules without having a license. You know, parking tickets are enforced, but you don't, uh, you know, they're, they're just enforced on you personally. I mean, all kinds of laws are enforced upon you um, without having a specific license. So, uh, 
They can enforce speed limits. They can enforce parking fines. They can enforce everything without a driver's license and do just fine. You know, as long as you have ID, which we have to have anyway, um, that's how that works. So there's, there's no reason for a driver's license, none, except you, to control you. know you. where they don't have driver's licenses and speed limits? Where? Really? Okay, no, it's uh, it's uh, Indian Where? territories. The Indian territories. They might have speed limits, but they don't have driver's licenses. You can drive cool. around without uh, license plates or registration or anything. That's cool. Maybe we should uh, I should take a look at that. All right. So I found this in Newsweek just to change things around a little bit. Now the article is a little dated, but it's fascinating. Uh, this is from uh, December sixth of twenty twenty two. So just last year. So talking about six months ago. And so the war was going on because the war started about a year ago. And it's a Newsweek, which I found fascinating. Michael, uh, Michael G. Fuller and David H. Rundell. Don't know who these guys are. F-O-E-L-L-E-R and R-U-N-D-E-L-L. And so it says, lessons from the U.S. Civil War show why Ukraine can't win. Now, why this wasn't massive news across the country, uh, the only reason I can think of is because we're a colony of Ukraine, and we have to keep giving them all our resources so they can fight forever and keep our military, government, uh, fascist complex rich. So here's what yeah, he that's obviously it, a terrible interpretation of what that was. But okay, go ahead. Well, a terrible interpretation of what? Um, we <laughs> no us giving money is because of the regime in power in D.C. We shouldn't be giving money to those people. Obviously, we can give the Donbass and the Crimea to Russia. It's and not ours to give. Really happy. It, it's not ours I, to give. I, or I know. Protect. I know. It has nothing. I know. It has nothing to do with us. We shouldn't be giving them billions of dollars. We shouldn't be giving them. Yeah, we shouldn't even be there. Yeah. Well, the only reason they're at yeah. war is because we're we're allowing them to fight. I made this point very at the very beginning of the show. If we were not supplying Ukraine with with billions of dollars and all of our arms, they couldn't wage war. And if they couldn't wage wage war, they'd have to go for a negotiated peace, which is what we knew was going to happen anyway. Doctor Peter Pry told us about this six months before the war even started. We all knew this. All right, let me read the article. Can I throw can I throw a gas covered stick on that fire? I'm about to mute if, you, but go ahead. If Ukraine is allowed to join NATO, we should exit NATO. United we should exit States NATO. No longer need All right. To. We should exit yeah, NATO anyway, but let me let me talk about that you, after you know, that's later, a so. good point. That's a good point. If Russia joined new if Russia joined NATO, then what's the need for the expenses we use in the defense industry? Russia will never join NATO. Uh, Russia actually would yeah, uh, try to resurrect never, the Warsaw Pact. Well, why would they join? Why would they join NATO? The, the, I mean, the whole reason NATO was formed was to oppose if Russia. If they join NATO, then all guns would stop being pointed at them. Yeah, but they can't join NATO. NATO that would yeah, never the happen. entire po- yeah the entire formation of NATO was for uh, Europe and America to protect yeah. That's why Warsaw oh, Pact. Yeah. That's that's why they formed the Warsaw Pact. All right, gentlemen, hold up. Well, the, war, gotta, do the Warsaw Pact still gotta, exist? No, it collapsed when the Russia okay. when the Soviet Union collapsed. All right, hold up, gentlemen. All right, so here's the article. Here's what it says because this is what I want to to focus on is the fact this war cannot be won. It says during the early years of America's Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln sought a limited conflict against people he still regarded as fellow countrymen and with whom he sought reconciliation. Only after three years of stalemate did he turn to unconditional surrender Grant, that'd be General Grant, who in turn unleashed General William Tecumseh Sherman to make Georgia howl and help bring the war to its decisively violent conclusion. Russian President Vladimir Putin 
waited only six months before switching from a special military operation to full-scale war against Ukraine. Putin's initial assault was limited to barely 150,000 troops. He expected a quick victory followed by negotiations on his principal concerns. Of course, that's what should have happened. And those were Russian control of Crimea, Crimea, Ukrainian neutrality, in other words, not in NATO, and autonomy for the Russian population of the Donbass, but he was wrong. Putin had not counted on Ukraine's stiff resistance or the West's massive military and economic intervention. Faced with a new situation, Putin changed his strategy. Now he is about to unleash his own General Sherman and make Ukraine howl. Okay, so this is six months ago, so this is already going on. This is the spring offensive. Then it says, last month yeah. Putin gave General... All right, go ahead. Quick comment. Go ahead. I was just, I was just going to say, yes, absolutely, that was going to happen. Um, if you look at the military history of uh, Russia, they have to protect their borders, and they use that with mass. The majority of their population is in the eastern part of their country, and it's mm-hmm. almost impossible to infiltrate uh, during right. certain seasons. That's so knowing why that, the Germans failed. That's why the French failed. Yeah. Yeah. Germans failed twice, Bismarck and Hitler. The French failed under Napoleon. Um, a bunch of folks failed. <laughs> you don't – Genghis Khan failed. <laughs> Russia gets too cold. I mean, everybody knows that. You, you fail in Afghanistan. You fail in Russia. There are just certain absolutes in the world, although people keep trying. All right. But the point of this is knowing that this war could never have been won, which all of us knew you know, going into this, why would they do it? See, that's the real question. But let me get back to the article because those are good points, though. It says, last month, Putin gave General Sergei Surovikin, and his name's going to pop up again, which is fascinating, General Sergei Surovikin, so remember his name, overall command of Russia's war in the Ukraine. Surovikin comes from the technologically sophisticated aerospace forces, uh, but has fought on the ground in Afghanistan, Chechnya, and Syria. So this guy's no dummy, right? Where he is credited with saving the Assad regime, and that would be against Hillary Clinton and ISIS and running guns through Benghazi and all that stuff. That's for another show. Then it says, Sarovkin has stated publicly that there will be no half measures in Ukraine. Instead, he has begun to methodically destroy Ukraine's infrastructure with precision missile attacks. He says, armies need – well, one of the things he's done, and you've got, got a thing here, it's a picture in the article, and it's all over my Facebook, right? A pedestrian walks down the street during a power cut in downtown Odessa, December 5th. So he was already cutting the power. You've heard about the power plants that have been destroyed. Like I say, this guy's no dummy. He says, arm, uh, the article says, armies need railroads. And while Sherman, this back to the Civil War, while Sherman systematically tore up the tracks leading to Atlanta, Sorovkin is destroying the electricity grid, which powers Ukraine's railroads. This has left Ukrainian cities cold and dark, but Sorovkin seems to agree with Sherman that, quote, war is cruelty and you cannot refine it. Russia has now put its economy on war footing calling up the reserves and assembled hundreds of thousands of troops, including both conscripts and volunteers. Conscripts are those who are drafted, for those that don't know the word. This army is equipped with Russia's most sophisticated weapons, and contrary to much Western reporting, is far from demoralized. Ukraine, on the other hand, has exhausted its armories and is totally dependent on Western military support to continue the war. So in other words, without us, there'd be no war. That's the, that's the key for me. Then he says, as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, or Milktoast as I call him, noted last week, Ukraine has done about all it can. And this is December. This is six months ago. Then it says, once Ukraine's rich black soil has firmly frozen, a massive Russian onslaught will commence. In fact, it has already begun. This is the spring offensive that started a few months ago. At the important transportation hub of Bakhmut, which we've heard about, which has become something of a Ukrainian, Verdun, which is a place in World War I, where literally millions of soldiers on both sides died. 
He says, we expect Bakhmut to fall and predict that without much more Western support, Russia will recapture Kharkov, Kyrgyzstan, and the remainder of the Donbass by next summer. Well, we're now in next summer, so let's see what happens. But uh, um, they're tearing up uh, the Ukraine. They're taking away their ability to wage war, and, they're, and the Ukraine is totally dependent on us. That's why this war can't be won. So what are we yeah, doing? Humanity is not a likely dependence that one would want to have seeking independence. But we uh-huh. said this in the beginning that Ukraine could could not defeat Russia. That yep. people that had those thoughts was delusional. Mm-hmm. So the question is, uh, Pianki, and I'll ask Josh the same question: Do we engage in wars to win, or do we engage in wars to spend money and keep them going? knowing that they can't be won. You are engaging in wars, like Josh mentioned, I believe, to it's for the money. And Greg and Josh, the money is a boomerang. You throw mm-hmm. it toward Ukraine or mm-hmm. any other contender, and it comes back around into the coffers of U.S. politicians, your warmongers. Yes, the military-industrial government, I would say the military-industrial government complex, the banks, the military contractors, and the government all make money off this war. This war is, this this is basically a business. Yeah, but they make it directly. They make it directly, but indirectly, when it Mm -hmm. goes over to the Ukraine, it's aid. Nobody Mm -hmm. knows where those dollars, where and how they are spent. They come back around. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not even. I agree with that. I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to interrupt. That's okay. No, you're fine. Go ahead. I agree with that, except for uh, yes, I agree with the boomerang. Uh, We throw a buttload of money out, and uh, it doesn't really come back to us, though, does it? It comes back to people like Joe Biden. It comes back to people who uh, and uh, Raytheon and. Halliburton. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the military-industrial—it's uh, the military-industrial government complex. So the people that make money are the bankers that loan money to the government. You know, the 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 military people that make the arms because now they have to make more arms. So so they're all running to Congress saying, "We're out of bullets. We've got to make more bullets. You got to give us more money." And they're absolutely right. Did you see that? You know, uh, did you just see that? Go ahead. Did you just see that thing? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, That's okay. No, there, there was a, a NASA a NASA pressure uh, pressure regulator for um, for uh, their large vehicles that move uh, stuff like uh, the bigger materials around um, the mm-hmm. airfields, and they paid like three hundred and forty eight dollars for it. And then that same pressure regulator, when it came to uh, to the military, they paid ten thousand dollars per piece. Of course. So, yeah, but that's that's yeah, uh, that's so, called stealing. <laughs> that's the six hundred dollar toilet seat. Was, was the uh, was was the uh, but they do that on purpose. That, that's part of the, the padding that goes in so everybody makes more money. But that let me was ask a question. question back in the eighty about toilet seats. Well, that's why I said it. That's why I mentioned it. You know, showing our age again, as Josh would say. But here's a question: What is what is a legitimate reason for war? Let's 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 get to the basics. What what constitutes what is a viable reason for us to go to war? Nowadays, there is none, really. Okay, so let's go, let's go, Pianki, then Josh. So, Pianki, there is none. There's no, re- there's no place where we really have to go to war. I tend to agree because it's all done with hypersonic missiles, a real war. So, let's talk about a real war. The last real war was World War II. All right? We had nations that were pretty much, you know, at, at least relatively well matched up. 
you stalemate uh, in Europe. You had uh, Germany you know, versus England and France on one side, uh, and then they made the mistake of attacking Russia. That was their downfall. Germany probably could have defeated England and Russia, uh, England and France, uh, whereas they couldn't have done it in World War I. But they, managed, but they could have done it in World War II and held Europe until Europe rebelled and eventually brought them down again, because that's what happens. Um, but, uh, but they're fairly well matched. And the United States came in and tipped the balance. Russia tipped the balance on the other side. But were we in danger of losing our country in World War II? Let me talk about Japan in a minute. Were we in danger of losing our country from Germany? Yes or no? Well, I don't know if Germany had the ambitions to come across the ocean. Now, Japan mm-hmm. could have done some damage. Yeah, let's, no, let's talk about Japan in a minute. Let's get Germany. What could Germany have done to us? Because there's a couple of things that I, that I know. Josh, I want to get your, your thing. Could, what could Germany have done to us in World War II? Me? Yeah, you. Oh, yeah. No, what Germany could have done to us in World War II, mm-hmm. they could have completely cut off supply lines in the Atlantic, which I think they well, that did would pretty successfully. Yeah, well, they, they tried I know, to I know. boats. Right. Okay. But they yeah, couldn't have cut, yeah. cut off our supplies. They couldn't have cut us off from Canada or Mexico or uh, our trade they, routes or the, or yeah, the Panama Canal. Yeah, they could have, I know. They could but have they, blown but we, were trying to send, we were trying to send supplies, and they definitely messed that up pretty All right. bad. But that was to help Britain. Uh, right. So, so in other I words, know. Germany could not – so Germany could, could – all right. Hold on a second. Stop. So Germany could not have mounted uh, a naval attack on the United States that would have affected our country, invaded us. They could not have brought a land war to us. They could have not um, brought an air war to us. I mean, they had bombers that were planned that were going to be able to bomb the United States. But it wasn't like they would have, you know, caused us uh, to lose our country to Germany. That wasn't going to happen. They could have bombed Panama Canal. I'm surprised they didn't, actually, or blown it up. But they had plans with Mexico. They were trying to make Mexico an ally to invade the United States to Mexico. So that was a viable plan. We stopped it. Now let's talk about Japan. Could Japan have occupied and controlled the United States in World War II? No, Germany couldn't have done anything well, either. I agree no, with no you. I'm talking about Germany. Just, just go to Japan. I want to, yeah, I want to, I agree got 15 with minutes left. Because okay. Germany was insisted in Mexico in the Mexican-American War. Nobody right. yeah, that's really know. But you're right. absolutely right. The United States was self-contained, self-dependent at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. We didn't have to depend on anybody. And Josh was right. You, you two, the U-boats were uh, disrupting uh, supplies to our allies during that mm-hmm. war. But right. today, there's no need for no war today. Really, there's no need. And you made another mention, Josh, when you said Raytheon. Uh, when U.S. generals come out of service, they go to work, a lot of them, <laughs> not area, on, and sit on the board for these defense contractors. Right. And Austin sat on the board of Raytheon, from my knowledge. And mm-hmm. now we've got Stinger missiles going to the Ukraine. U.S. is buying them from Raytheon. They're being sent to the Ukraine along with aid, and some of those aid dollars is coming back around with the boomerang effect. Yep. What a surprise. That's not a boomerang, my friend. That's, that's, so, that's so directly linked. It's not a boomerang. It's so, it's you serve a term and then you get paid when you retire. It's the same yeah. people that are politicians and then they become uh, what, what's that stuff uh, where you're over there trying to convince people to spend money on your causes? Lobbying. Yeah, a lobbyist. Yeah, yeah. You become a lobbyist after you become a politician. Okay. Yeah, it's Let's get all back the on same. Track. Yeah. It's, 
All right. So, so let's get back on track with war here because I want to I want to stick with war as a topic. And so Japan, could they? Because I have another I have a follow up question. So could they have invaded the United States and occupied us? They could have destroyed the Panama Canal. That would have sabotaged things. They could have you know made hell of the West Coast if we didn't stop them at Midway. They could have destroyed much of Australia if we didn't stop them at Coral Sea. But could they have occupied and controlled the United States? No. And they said okay. behind every blade of grass, there's a gun. There'll be some damn redneck with a rifle taking on that those Japanese soldiers. Yeah, we'd be done. We'd be done. It'd be all over. Right? Just like the Swiss and the Nazis. I was okay. thinking about making so. bog radio, blade of grass radio. Thank you, sir. <laughs> it would be funny. Yeah. All right. So the point is, now, here's the, here's the question. Were these wars worth fighting against Japan and Germany? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so they are worth fighting. Okay, so there are wars that are worth fighting that do not necessarily imperil the United States. And I agree. I agree that World War II was worth fighting. World War I was not. But World War I basically caused World War II, and we can talk about that later too. So given that we agree that there are wars that are worth fighting, there are battles that are worth fighting that do not necessarily imperil the United States, let's go on further. <clears throat> because I think World War II was the last such war. World War II was fought to end evil. <laughs> I mean pure evil in the world. And I agree with that. Hitler and, uh, and Hirohito uh, had to be stopped. Uh, oh, Tojo? Yeah. Hitler and Tojo had to be stopped. Okay, and they were costing millions of lives. Uh, shit, we'll talk about the atomic bomb another time too. <clears throat> All right, let's move on. Korea. Korea, okay. did, did, did Korea need to be fought by us? Yes. Well, you, you, you created a strong ally with South Korea, mm-hmm. and also a market. Hey, I'm That's talking a, on South Korea's products right now. What if what South if we Korea insisted could that could not possibly exist if we didn't intervene? Okay, but what if we'd insisted that Korea not be split? We wouldn't have had a war. How could you how could you have made that happen? Because it was done by the UN. We controlled the UN. We could have vetoed it. Oops. Yeah, but that'd be so North Korea would agree with it because you had factions there between the two. Yeah, okay. All right. I don't want to get too much into the history, but the point is that the Korea didn't have to be split. In other words, I'm looking for alternatives. So let's go to Vietnam. I'm trying to find legitimate wars after World War II. Was Vietnam a legitimate war for us to fight? Yes and no. Yes. Okay. Why? The influence of communism was growing rapidly, and it wasn't just about Vietnam. It was about Cambodian uh, Laos, Domino theory. Right. Got the domino theory. Okay, so Vietnam is now communist, so we failed. Okay, North the Korea is still split, and they've never officially ended the, the war. The North side failed. wasn't. Okay, so wait a minute. All right, so but the point is that uh, that these wars are, are are the last war that was won, where the outcome was as we desired, was World War II. So let's go to the Gulf Wars. Oh come on, man! I was necessary, born during those. Don't do that to me. Necessary for our survival? Would you have fought in a Gulf War, thinking that the United States was imperiled by Iraq? Gulf War is the same ideology of let's send this military equipment over Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we get a part of the uh, the profit. That's the ideology of the politician. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Military. These are military industrial complex wars. These are not real wars. These are not against countries that imperil our safety. These are not against uh, stop. Yeah. Well, Saddam Hussein was evil, but there's lots of evil people out there. 
The question is whether it's, a, it's an evil person that we have to stop. See, that's the part we forget. And just because they're evil doesn't mean we have to stop them. Doesn't mean we can't help. Doesn't mean we can't go through the United Nations if you want. Doesn't mean we can't do a bunch of things. But do we have to go to war? See, that's the question. Is that the only solution? Does China go to war with countries they take over? No, they do it economically. So as Pianchi said, war is not always the answer. I think we're stuck in a war mentality. Uh, we're stuck in a 50-year-old war mentality when China is using modern uh, cyber warfare. They're using economic warfare. They're not firing guns anywhere. They're building up a huge military. But if they take over Taiwan, are they going to have to go in shooting? Or can they just blockade them, cut them off, do a cyber hack, cut them off uh, uh, industrially in every other way so that they have no choice? Well, you know, another thing, too. Uh China uses North Korea as a buffer, Uh as Russia does, as we do with Mexico and uh, the other mm-hmm. country. So they do have that in mind because they didn't have North Korea as a buffer. They, it would be open there on the sea. Hmm. Are we at war in Korea? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know that there has never been a peace established. The DMZ exists for a reason. Not necessarily so, we are at war, but war is still existing between North and South Korea. Right. It's been so, going on so for like over 60 years. Right, and yet Trump shook hands with Kim Jong-un and actually walked into North Korea. He walked across the DMZ like a gentleman with no security into North Korea. And he walked back out again. How about that? Yeah, I know, I know. And you know what? I don't even care about politics when it comes to that. The balls Uh that it takes for one man to walk Mm -hmm. across the DMZ into North Korea. I don't care what your political affiliations are. Dude, Mm -hmm. that was some like – that was some – John That's serious cojones. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But the question is, is it worth fighting a war there? If North Korea invades South Korea, is it up to us to save South Korea? I, Can we afford to? I'm In other words, have we extend... Same... Have... Go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I'm going to go ahead and stay in the same metric that um, I do not want to fight people because most of the time, the people that we're fighting are people that agree with us on more than we disagree. Uh, it's just a bunch of uh, idiots in politics and all this nonsense, and uh-huh. uh, they don't even agree with them either. <laughs> so, no, I do not want to kill my fellow man. So I have we solved, solved Iraq's problems with our Gulf Wars? Iraq. No, they still have their fascist faction. Are you, How about that? Are you but telling me they don't have more water parks now? Hold on, Josh. I want to hear from you. We got five minutes before Josh, but we're going to get to Jonathan in five minutes. That's why I'm kind of rushing things along. Pianchi? Greg, if we didn't have the monies that we have going through these militaries, mm-hmm. could you imagine how better off the people would be? You know, I made that argument on Facebook. Someone called me. They said that's a stupid argument. It's been used a bunch of times before. And it's like, no, it's a good argument. It's absolutely valid. I agree with you. If we didn't spend the $7 trillion in Afghanistan and the, the $5 trillion in Iraq or however much we spent, the trillions of dollars, since Korea, and I'm talking about the reason I went through that, that little exercise is because I'm saying these are unjustified wars. These are not even wars. They're not declared wars. They're illegal wars, according to the Constitution, and yet we've lost trillions of dollars. We could have, I'm sure, a, a national health voucher choice program where people could uh, where people wouldn't go bankrupt just because they can't afford medical care or medical insurance that would have been a far better use of the money than uh, any of those wars korea vietnam 
uh, Iraq or Afghanistan or now Ukraine. You've got five wars that have taken trillions and trillions of dollars out of our infrastructure, out of our education, out of our health, out of our economy, out, out of inflation, out of our savings, out of retirements, out of investment, out of individual productive capital, venture capital. Nothing good has come out of this except for the military, industrial, banking, fascist cabal. Those are the only people who benefit from all these wars. That's the problem. I agree with Pianki. Well, you, that's true. Yeah. Go ahead, Pianki. No, that's true. And you know, here's another thing, too. Mm-hmm. If you do away with the war industry, then you're going to have a lot of people with technical knowledge that needs to have that applied someplace else. United well, States. What do we do become, after World War II? Yeah. What do we do after World War II? Yeah. We invented the 57 Chevy. Dude, we've got great consumer ideas out there. Besides, I want a jet. Have a nice, affordable carbon fiber jet. Under $100,000. Let's put people. Let's rebuild yeah. our general aviation. With three twenty-seven engines. Absolutely yeah. right. So that's what we did after Let's World do it War II. Again, right? <laughs> yeah, we didn't build after World War II. We stopped building P fifty-ones and we started building fifty-seven Chevys. Good trade. Okay. So in other words, the, the people. Uh, I think you're. I think you're on a really good point here. That the engineers, that the people that build things, whether it's civilian or military, they just like building things. And you think the Wright brothers made the airplane for the military? Is going to be with that knowledge, that technology. Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to be space. Mm-hmm. Greg Pinglis, uh, Greg Pinglis Asteroid Exploration Company. <laughs> Josh, mineral yeah. extraction from asteroid two four five five six eight. Action Radio becomes Action Air, you know, Action Radio Airlines. Aerospace. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've heard of Virgin space Atlantic. Space exploration. Now we're going to action Radio. Yeah, there we go. You have Virgin Air, uh, Virgin Atlantic will become Virgin Aerospace, Action Radio, rocket ship. Well, we're gonna have Action Radio One. I'm gonna have my own jet. We're just you know, waiting to break through the censorship. But yeah, but that's the thing that the, the engineers will build. The, I think they're just as happy, probably happier to build consumer things, you know, than uh, than they are to build military stuff. But but military, but a lot of military spending has come out really well, like the internet, contrary to Al Gore. The Internet was a military application of computers to connect NORAD. That's how it got started. Well, once computers learned how to talk to each other, you know, we got the whole Internet for the rest of us. Uh, look at the space program, too. In fact, this is something interesting. If you ever do a study of the things that come out of the space program, um, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, the, those fire warning things? Smoke alarms. Yeah, Smoke alarms memory foam mattresses. Smoke alarms. Yep, okay. Uh, Velcro came out of the space program. Um, defogging agents, you know, the things that you spray on your glasses or your windshields that stop the fogging, the, the space program. So many things have come out of the space program that are now consumer goods. You know, a lot of military things have come out. A lot of military technology ends up in the civilian world. I'm sure the glass cockpit. Well, you, you may know this. Pianchi, I don't know this one. The glass cockpit. You know, we switched over from, uh, uh, what do they call them, vacuum instruments to computerized uh, glass screens. Weren't those first done with military yeah. airplanes before civilians? Yeah, it's called a gorilla. It's called gorilla glass. Oh, okay, that's it's on your phone. Yeah. Huh. Can I okay. introduce a different concept? Uh, yeah, you got two minutes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. literally, uh, when when uh, when people were uh, comfortable, we actually mm-hmm. innovated the most when we did not feel like we were in constant conflict with other people. Uh, we came up with a bunch of ridiculous stuff. 
So when was so that? When like were we a, not in conflicts? Okay. So when were we not in Vietnam, Korea, the Gulf War, Afghanistan, or Ukraine? When have we actually been at peace I'm with t- no I'm t- I'm about, globalist war? I thought I had two minutes there, Gregory. No, we do. We do some Jonathan calls. That. Since Jonathan calls, we're gonna we're gonna oh. switch over to he wants to talk about. But when have we? Okay. It's actually really good. It's a, no, you've asked a really good question. When have we not been at war? And what happened during that time? I'm talking about when Americans on American soil felt most comfortable where we weren't going to be attacked. That's when our innovation rose. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's, let's, let's start with World War II. So, so between World War II and Korea, it was 1945 to 1950. Okay, between Korea. We were never and worried v- about Koreans touching. Okay, wait a minute. No, just, no, just follow me through on the timeline. Follow me through on the timeline. So, you're talking about the years right. where we were not at war. Okay, 45 to 50. Okay. No. Um, the threat of the threat of attack on American. Soil. No, no, stop that. No, no. Just listen to what I'm saying. When were we okay. not? When were we not at war? And, and did that, how did that affect consumer goods and innovation? So 45 to 50, we're not at war. 53 to, when did, I'm not sure exactly when Vietnam started. 58, like the, mid, the, the 59, early 60s. Let's say 1960. Oh, really? So, so we, yeah, let's say 1960 just for, just for the sake of it. Because I know we had advisors in there pretty early. Um, let's just, uh, no, actually then there with Eisenhower. So let's go 50 to, 53 to 57. So that's only four years. All right. So you Vietnam went in. Well, let me finish this because this is. I think this is interesting. So the peace years are forty to forty-five, fifty-three to fifty-seven. Okay. So then Vietnam went to seventy-four, right? Or seventy-five, seventy-five. So when did the Gulf War start? So from seventy-five until ninety. No, it was early eighty. It was like eighty-six. Was the no? Because that would have been Reagan. The Gulf War was under Bush. It had to at least no. The the latest would have been eighty eight. All right, let's say eighty eight. So so then we actually had our greatest peace was from the end of Vietnam at seventy five until nineteen eighty eight. That's thirteen years. And what happened then? Man, the eighties hair metal, you know, great cars. We we actually had a good time then, right? Now, from the Gulf War, Jonathan's on the line too, so he's listening, wondering what the hell we're talking about. It's kind of funny. So from the Gulf War, so so 1988 until present day, we've been at war somewhere. Iraq, Iraq, Afghanistan, yeah, and Ukraine. It, Have we had any peace? And you know, when you talk about communists, you uh-huh. talk about a group, another group of business entrepreneurs, people that's right. going against the Western entrepreneurs, business people. And they're trying to get into undeveloped countries because they're a source for business. And, you know, one of the greatest, the the goal to show you what a private innovation can do in order to stymie the warmongers, Mm -hmm. look what Mm -hmm. Elon Musk has created when he has the ability to take that high-lift rocket and bring it back and land it on a pad where it can be reused again. You don't have to buy it. I think that's... I think that's wonderful. But here's the thing, though, as we're talking about, if we did not have the, the trillions upon trillions of dollars of drain from Iraq 1, Iraq 2, Afghanistan, and now Ukraine, if we didn't have that drain, just think how far, much further along the space program would be with all that venture capital going to private uses. So the greatest... So yeah, let me just, right, want, Greg. Well, thank you. I want to focus on this one period because I think it's fascinating. So if we take 75 to 88, 
Okay, I graduated high school in '77. These were fabulous years in this country. We were happy. We had hair metal. You know, we had Ronald Reagan. It was it was morning in America. We were proud. We had new cars. We had new innovations. We're, we were free. Energy was in pretty decent a shape. Little, you know, the economy yeah, was pretty little, decent. A little, when, when a the Reagan little dash recovery. of Cold War. A little dash of Cold War. But there wasn't much. No, Reagan basically ended the Cold War because he outspent Russia. So, but the Cold War was never a shooting war. I'm talking about an actual shooting war. Yeah, we built our military. And the Cold War is an interesting case. We should take that separately. I want to do that another time. But during the time of prosperity, I'm make Jonathan's line live so he can join in this. But during our time of prosperity, 1975 to 1988, those were really good years in this country. And I think one of the biggest reasons those were really good years in this country is we weren't spending trillions of dollars in some stupid war to make our military, industrial, banking, government, fascist complex rich. Let's go Josh Bianchi, and then I'll bring in Jonathan. Josh, what do you think? Does that make sense? That's when you were born. Yeah, no, that no, no, that makes sense. Um, I, I was born in a different era. Uh, when were you born? We, we, on, how old are you? Oh, are you Gen X or what? 90. You're oh, a millennial. Come on. You're a millennial? Okay, you know what? Hey, I'm not going to insult you, sir. Yes, I <laughs> you yeah, I'm, You just I called me sir. Wait, what, am I old? Oh. <laughs> Bianchi. What do you God think? Damn it, I'm going to call you, sir. No, um, ma'am. Okay, I, I fine. Both that, of y'all, um, listen, hold on, Josh. Both of y'all are kids. You, Josh, you, Greg, are kids. And this man came out of a crypt. <laughs> okay, all right. So, Pianchi, 1975 to 1988, you were there when I was there. You know, we were both alive and adults and mature somewhat. I was in my 20s. Weren't those great years when we weren't at war? Yes, yeah, always great years when people are not at war because it helps to create economy. It helps to create mm-hmm. money flow, the ability to exchange of goods and the uh, transfer of money from one to the other. You can mm-hmm. see it going down the street. If you choose to grab it, you can grab it. If not, let it go until the next bunch comes through. So when are we going to stop these mad out. people? When are we going to stop these insane, irrational, greedy, avaricious, you know, horrible folks from keeping us in a constant state of war? I just want to point out that you are you are literally absolutely affirming exactly what I was saying before. The threat of the other is the reason that we do better. It doesn't matter if we're actually in conflict violently with them. It's the threat of the mm. other that makes us better. Disagree. I think it's the I think it's the, the lack of threat that makes us better. Jonathan, let's get to no. some legal stuff. Let's uh, we, let's talk January sixth or anything that's going on. Uh, or if you want to well, add to this I'll discussion, we've been we've been right. going crazy. So, this has been fun. So my 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 weighing in is it's morning in America. Ooh. All over America. People are great. People are getting up and going to work again. And now <laughs> I people music. don't know. So, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So I, need, you, I need some music for you. Hang on, Jonathan. Jonathan, just give me a second here. Uh, let me see if I can find this real quick. Ah, here we go. So start over again. It's morning in America. There you go. It's the... You know, and the uh, all over America, people are getting up and going to work again, because um, which was actually an issue. In the, so, uh, I mean, if you don't know the the Ronald Reagan, I mean, it's probably one of the most famous campaign. Well, should keep be. going. The music's still playing. Jonathan, it's use the music. Run. Jonathan, use the music. I don't music. remember it all. Make it up. <laughs> I don't remember You're it all word for word. I just know the opening. Improvise. Come on, Jonathan. Um, you know, um. America's proud again. We are, you know, the uh, rebuilding, uh, really rebuilding our country. 
And, um, you know, brought to you by Reagan Bush, 1984. Um, one of the most monumental, you know, momentous campaign ads, probably long forgotten, so I can't say it's famous. But the one of the most fun? <laughs> momentous. I, I was about to say uh, Jonathan. I was about to say Jonathan for dictator of Alaska. Oh, not uh, that dictator of Alaska. <laughs> so uh, Josh, no, Josh, but the thing is, Josh, stay okay, reasonable, so, Josh. So, I'm going gonna, gonna to let you go. Okay. This is this is for us boomers. Uh, the um, uh, the um, you know, what's your name, Greg? Uh, we, 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 we like old timer boomers. Right. Um, and, um, no, but the thing is, is what you're saying is like the, uh, the bounce back from the bounce back from, uh, um, the Reagan years, of course, was one of the most stupendous, you know, amazing, staggering mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And, um, it led up to, I mean, the, the, the Soviet Union didn't ha- actually collapse until, starting 1989 mm-hmm. um but um we had a lot to do with it obviously well question came up earlier that the the warsaw pact i believe collapsed when the soviet union collapsed right because they couldn't back them anymore they simply didn't have the money yes. so at that point yeah. nato should have dissolved and we wouldn't be in this mess today but nato did just the opposite they, they, they thought this is a marketing opportunity we can build our power we can get more countries more money more money out of the u.s defend more and more different nations <laughs> And bringing this big mutual defense pact, all the while charging the U.S. to to pay for it because they're stupid, they'll do it, you know. And then we're in this mess right now with Ukraine. <laughs> and you right can't now, leave I out think. the key component is that that money comes back around into the yeah, pockets uh, of the people that promote it. Let me address that in just a little bit. Let's get back to the main thing though, because Jonathan has expertise in this area. That's why I'm asking it. So the Soviet Union collapses '89, Glasnost. Gorbachev, all that kind of stuff. Warsaw Pact collapses too. Why didn't we just get out of NATO? Or was it the money? Was because the money too much of a attractive it. force? Okay, all right. So that's only Jonathan's opinion. Well, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is I, I do recall, as, as what we're seeing now, that you know, people were running around Washington, D.C., around the conservative think tanks, saying that, um, you know, that it was the, the Soviet Union is just faking this is like, you know, they're, 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 it's a head fake. They're going to come back and, and, and attack and, and all kinds of stuff like that. They're just let, trying to get us to get our, our guard down. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 you know, I, I don't know. I think, the, I think nobody ever, nobody ever raised the, the issue, which was the funny thing, is that, um, uh, you know, I, I, n- the question never came up, so I don't know, you know, what the disc- what the thinking, you know, what it would have been. But but it's, it's, it is kind of funny that now the thing is is the, <clears throat> tr- the 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 truth is, like I said, I was at High Frontier, which was the think tank that? that came up with missile defense, with Reagan's missile defense program. <clears throat> and then I went okay. to the to a an arm of the um, of the Heritage Foundation. And mm-hmm. we worked with a lot of those things. Um, <clears throat> but actually, it was the Eastern Bloc that collapsed first. It was, it was, re- it was really the, um, the, Soviet, the, the Soviet Union proper could not maintain um, the, the disintegration of its, of its power in Eastern Europe. 
and around it. Were, were you there for Lech Walesa and Solidarity in Poland at all? Were you there at that time? Well, I wasn't in Poland, but I was watching it, yes. Okay. And, and we had a pope who stood up for, for freedom. Right. He was you know, a Polish pope, and he was mm-hmm. um, against the Soviet involvement in that. Yeah. And, I actually um, saw him in Rome. I, went, I was in the Vatican for Easter Sunday when I did my Europe trip, so I got to see John Paul speak. It was fabulous. Everybody loved him. So, so yeah. yeah, so, but it was, it was, in fact, it was, uh, you know, I was a missionary and taught business in Latvia mm-hmm. and I had a boss in the department of education who, who was Estonian. I've met, I've referenced her, how her, um, not by name, but her, um, mother and her relatives, I think in, in Estonia were criticizing the government and the phone operator interrupted and yelled at yep. them. Yep. You told me um, that story. I interrupted their phone call, which is kind of yeah. like um, what's going on with social media today. Mm-hmm. And um, well, so <clears throat> they um, okay. they had hands across they they all across the Baltic states of uh, uh, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. They mm-hmm. you know the, the whole population held hands mm-hmm. across the entire peninsula, which it, which is huge in in opposition to Soviet. Um, <clears throat> occupation of their their country and um, these and they actually had they actually had a gun gunfire in Riga. They showed they showed us the uh, the bullets in the in the buildings. So um, it really started from the exterior, you know, from the front, from the borders of the Soviet bloc. Wow. And we and still have they, uh, we have listeners in Latvia. And actually, we have listeners in Belarus, too, which is kind of interesting. That's right there. We don't have any mm-hmm. listeners in Ukraine, surprisingly. Yeah, we have yeah. listeners in, in Latvia. Well, let me say Labdien, um, <laughs> which is good day. This is about all I, you know, um, I know Paul Diaz and things like that, but uh, uh, which is please. But um, anyway, no, that's um, some brave folks. Mm. We have Cuba, Much too. Braver. Cuban Vietnam. Uh, modern Vietnam America is always to listen to us, and we have Cuba listeners. I mean, this is I mean, <laughs> Cuba's been there for months. It's amazing. Anyway, let me ask you. I want to change subjects a little bit here. Social media. You just mentioned that. I'm confused as to what's going on. I remember I went and spent three days going over Judge Doty's uh, injunction on on the Brandon insurrection that they cannot communicate with social media uh, and continue the violations of our First Amendment rights. And then this three. I heard about this three judge panel. In fact, I sent you the article. Probably too late for you to look at it uh, this morning before the show. <laughs> Uh, saying that there's, right. there's a stay on that injunction. And then I'm hearing mm-hmm. that it's it's back. I don't know where it's sta- – do you know where it stands right now? What's going on with that? Well, okay. Let me try to back up it. The, um, sure. A lot of these things, someone files a lawsuit. And then early in the, in the process, somebody um, files an injunction. And the lawsuit's not over. The lawsuit's, you know, just barely beginning. And they want to get, they want to get a standstill, you know, mm-hmm. hold, you know, preserve the status quo. Um, but the lawsuit hasn't, you know, come anywhere close to being, uh, to playing its course. So they got a temporary injunction against the government, a whole bunch of government agencies, not all, and with some very disturbing exceptions, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but it indicates, you know, in order to get an injunction of some kind, one of the four major categories is that um, the moving party has a significant um, chance of uh, of winning on of winning eventually. 
You so we talk, um, you have to prove you have to prove you can win before you can win the lawsuit, which to me defeats the purpose of bringing a lawsuit. Because if you knew you it, could it, win, it's just weird. It's very strange. No, it's yeah. very. It's like it ends up creating a trial within a trial. Right. Um, and and so it's it, it's a very strange situation. But but the thing is is that it has to show that there's at least um, a likelihood that um, that they that they'll win on on appeal. Or that they'll win the case, because that it's not completely frivolous, um, and, uh, and you know. So, so for the for the for the, the single judge at the trial level to issue this broad sweeping injunction indicates a very strong belief that they have put on a very strong case. Hundred and fifty-five pages. That's a huge opinion. <laughs> right. I read it. Well, if yeah. you're gonna, I mean, the same thing happened with DACA and immigration, and and um, oh god, what's okay. the, the, the guy's name? I can almost the judge's name. So, I mean, if you um, if you uh, if you're gonna take on such a big uh, topic, you really want to make it overwhelming because you know it's gonna go up on appeal. Um, so the judge okay. and the judge gives this thing, but <clears throat> but but the appeals court did not explain anything. They just, yes, real they, short. It's like three it, sentences. They just they just said yeah, they stay, put a on, stay the on the injunction. Right. Now, what even, does that mean? Even the injunction gave all kinds of exceptions, which are the following are not prohibited by this preliminary injunction that's on the trial level. Informing social media companies of postings involving criminal activity or criminal conspiracies. And this is what we talked about, you know, last week. It's like mm-hmm. why is it the social media's job to play policeman? Um, and contacting, you know, so if you want to, if this criminal activity, go arrest them. Don't, you know, don't censor people contacting and or notifying social media companies of national security threats, extortion or other threats posted on this platform. What does that have to do? You know, how, how would it, how would like Facebook have a national security threat? I don't, I don't get it. How would they have 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 a clearance? You know, they'd have to understand national security. They'd have to become experts in that. Now, and if you remember our bills, Jonathan, we've talked about this too, that uh, I pointed out that uh, that social media has no role uh, in anything except providing the service, just like the phone company. Phone company doesn't arrest you if you make a a threat against a public official. You know, the Secret Service does, (laughs) or or the U.S. Marshals. They do it. And the same thing with social media. If you post child porn on social media, you know, social media, doesn't have to come after you because the Justice Department will or, or the state police or the local police because that's illegal. Uh, anything that's, um, that's uh, obscene, well, we have laws against obscenity. Though that's a law enforcement thing. So anything that social media could do to touch anybody's content is already covered by law enforcement. Pornography, obscenity, right. uh, violence, threats, you know, threats against public, all that kind of stuff against public officials, all that's already covered. So there's no reason right. for so social media have... to touch anything. <clears throat> That's on social media, however horrendous it might be. Come. Yeah. Right. So they have the Facebook police come arrest you or something. I, well, I, I the, the Facebook can it. notify the police. I don't care about that. But they can't actually remove the content. They can't do anything. Right. And the thing is, it's like the things I just mentioned. <clears throat> you know, for the FBI to say, hey, this, you know, this post is illegal or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because remember, when people are indicted, um, almost always the indictment is under seal until they're actually arrested. Hmm. 
so you know a lot of a lot of these people <clears throat> you know the idea that if they're you know if they know that the the indictment is coming um that they might flee or destroy evidence or coordinate their stories with with other witnesses mm-hmm. so you know so the thing is if if the FBI were were looking at a national security threat um why the hell would they talk to, to to social media about it? They'd go to a grand jury. Um, they could even do something called information without a grand jury. They didn't. They charge the person, and that, and they get a court order <clears throat> to take down the information. But they wouldn't alert the offender ahead of time. Right. You know. So. Well, so let anyway, me give you so the, the whole nonsense. Is, well, let me give you a dilemma: um, child porn. Nobody wants child porn on, on, on social media. It's disgusting. It's horrible. It's illegal. It's, it's all, the, all the expletives you could think of. On the other hand, I don't want social media deciding what they're going to remove. So how do we, how do we walk this line where we don't want this stuff out? I mean, people can – now, of course, people can block it. People don't have to look at this. In fact, I would hope they would. But just the fact that it's out there until law enforcement arrests, arrests the people, brings it down. Is there anything that social media can do that doesn't give them the role of a police officer? Could they say hide and preserve something as evidence, you know, pending a trial? And if we give them ability to hide things, does that then mean they can go what they do now, which is hide anything they don't like? So how do we, how do well, we balance this? Where, where's, well, that's where's the, the problem with all, with, with all laws is like, and they'll say, Okay. You know, child porn, whatever, and and, and or anything else. Well, it's or anything else the, that I'm that I'm worried about. But the child porn specifically is something that should be dealt with immediately by law enforcement. You don't want it on social media. On the other hand, I don't want social media thinking that they can remove anything just because they have the power to remove anything. It's not their job, not law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So that's the dilemma. Plus, I, I don't I don't believe that it would take that long. Or, you know, if, if, if Facebook became oh, aware be of minutes. child porn, and I have removed some not child porn, but on groups that I manage, right. you know, people keep trying from overseas. They keep trying to put put <laughs> up these um, <clears throat> um, links to porn. Um, yeah. And um, but, you know, I just don't believe that it would take that long for anything like that to be dealt with. Yeah, it might be seconds, no, I, it might be minutes. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I think if they called up the police and they say, hey, we got this. Because, again, traditionally the idea is, like, if someone is spreading child porn, you want to catch them. Yeah. You know, if 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 they take down the post and that's bad, you're you're alerting them. You're, you're not catching them uh-huh. in the act. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing is and these people I'm are saying smart enough to position, do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jonathan. I'm not saying that that's my recommendation. I'm saying that's the traditional approach to law enforcement is that, right. you know, we want to ca- we want to catch them, re- you know, red handed 10 times over. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, go ahead. Well, as I said, the, the, the child porn people, as much as they are disgusting, are devious enough that they don't want to get caught. So they're not going to blatantly post something on social media because that's going to get flagged. Their IP address is going to get known. The FBI is going to be on their doorstep within you know, a very short period of time. So they're not going to do that. So, that, so the, the fact that law enforcement polices this is another reason that social media doesn't have to. These people, as, as horrible as they are, they're not stupid enough to post something that's going to get them caught. Well, and that is a protection. Know. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I know, just, you know. Where did the law well, might be right? I, I just don't know. Okay. Pianchi? 
Jonathan, where do the law laws against porn originate? Federal, state, or local? Same question. For, for police to be able to get involved, it has to be a violation of a local ordinance or state yeah. ordinance. That's the state highway patrol. Well, I mean, it, I think it, <clears throat> I think it has spread to federal legislation, but it started with state. Even but though we yeah, know there's I mean, only three federal it, it crimes. Is, yeah. I mean, I mean, traditionally, of course, you know, these laws arose before there was an internet, so. It would be like, you know, some, some guy, you know, selling a magazine out of his, you know, out of his uh, <laughs> trunk or something. I don't know. Um, so, uh, so with the boards in front of them. In Nevada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Prostitution is legal in Nevada under yeah. controlled circumstances. You know, that's another good point, too. Yeah, we, that's, that'd be a whole right. other show. Hey, I want to get to. I want. I don't want to get too far away from uh, Jonathan's report. Um, what's going on with Stuart Rhodes? What's, what's happened to our buddy? Well, of course, he's desperately trying to change attorneys. Like ever since I've known him, he's been trying to find a different attorney. Um, Was it Roger um, defending him, our, our bud? No, because he's you know they represented. Um, uh, Oh, excuse me. Um, anyway, I mean, there, there's this conflict of interest among the among these groups, oh. and so he. The thing is, is he was represented by three attorneys. We we got one attorney, Ed Tarpley, who, you know, these guys all talk tough, mm-hmm. and then they're like just complete wimps when it comes time to file something or, you know, I. So I ever heard to that the, before? like the entire Republican party. That's why we call them the gelding oh, yeah. party. There's a, there's a reason for that. Well, so somehow there's a great similarity between Republican lawyers and, you know, they, they talk and gelding talk, talk. And then <laughs> and the thing is, is there were a lot of motions that, at Stu- that I wrote right. for his attorneys that, that were never filed. How come you weren't his attorney? Thing, thing. Could you have done that, or, or that, or I don't, maybe I shouldn't ask that on the air. Well, first you of all, no, I had represented Kelly Meggs in the same okay. trial, so I couldn't right. serve as as his attorney. Okay. Um, and and at the time that I got, they, they they came after me, so I I couldn't do I couldn't file those. But okay. um, <clears throat> they um, I mean, but there are things I know they didn't do that he had, and, and he had some brilliant. Um, suggestions that his attorneys just it is totally wimped out. They want to be the oh, best friend. Better. Yeah. W- would he be better representing so, himself, Stuart Rhodes? Because he's smart enough to do it. He's would, got a law yeah, degree from Yale. When you're locked, except that when you're locked up, um, you know, uh, 22 hours a day, it's pretty hard to write anything, have access to anything. To get have anything him call done. the show. We'll be his internet. Have him call us. I'm serious. Well, since he's been actually convicted, he's been um, – they've been much more repressive. So they, they cut him off from one interview. Um, and because he's – you know, before someone is convicted, they have um, – they theoretically have full constitutional rights, even though they abridged right. them anyway. But now it's gotten worse since he's um, – mm-hmm. now he's been moved up to Cumberland, Maryland, and he's sitting there. But they finally – filed their appeals, which were likely to be lame, and um, the government saying that 18 years in jail is not enough. Mm-hmm. 
So the gov- the government is appealing to yeah. to put them in jail longer. Um, All right, let's, which is probably uh, what. Well, I was going to say, let's say let's say Trump rides in on, on on the big white horse and pardons all these folks. Are they stuck with, with if you pardon somebody? Are they stuck? I don't like pardoning people that didn't do anything, um, but I don't want them sitting in jail either. So how do we how do we resolve this? If Trump pardons Stuart Rhodes, for example, and said, you know, is there a way to pardon somebody or or just dismiss the charges, or could Trump Trump's Justice Department just throw out the charges? So this was a bogus prosecution. You know, we're we're ending it, canceling it. What, what are the what they, are possible they could options? do they could do any of those. I mean, remember we have okay. these actual innocence things where right. someone is convicted of rape and then the DNA analysis has advanced and they find out the, there's actual oh, evidence okay. that they didn't do it. Huh. And the, the the court and the the prosecutors can go in, and they really should um, go in and say, you know, we got this wrong. Um, and um, so they could do that. They could also, mm-hmm. because for example, some of these crimes there there are not crimes. They're, they're misusing statutes in right. a way, and and we'll get into that. Actually, it's a good kind of foreshadowing. We'll get into this. Is that you know they're using statutes in ways that they've never been used before. So it would not be impossible for the prosecutors, for honest prosecutors, to say, you know what, um, is this statute not that statute? For example, the <clears throat> biggest one is um, you know the 20-year felony, and that mm-hmm. means up to. It doesn't mean you know a flat fee sort of sort of thing, um, but the obstruction of an official proceeding that has never been used that way before. Um, is that a defense? And, Can they say that in this defense? Say, wait a minute, this, the law was never intended well, to be used um, this way. You know, this, uh, is that legitimate? It is being appealed. Okay. It is going to see the problem is, is that all of these cases, the action is now going to move more and more to the appeals level. Okay. But it's very expensive and very slow. And they're trying to raise money. Uh, Stewart is trying to raise $200,000 for an appeal attorney. See, this and, is wrong, too. Uh, why do these people have to raise all this money? Can, can't we uh, – would it be worth us passing a, some kind of a bill or something here or starting some kind of an action that people who are being accused of these things – because the government has unlimited resources. They can take our tax dollars to prosecute our fellow citizens, and they can still be wrong. And these people can lose simply because they can't raise the two hundred thousand dollars to defend themselves. There's got to be a, there's got to be like a loose pays or or you know, in fact I was going to write a bill that any government investigation like an IRS investigation the government has to pay all the compliance costs. Why shouldn't the government pay all the legal costs up front so these people can defend themselves properly so they don't lose simply because they don't have the money? Uh, and then if they uh, if they lose mm-hmm. the case and they're convicted, then they can pay the two hundred grand or whatever the legal fee is. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why can't we do that? I, I think there's something needed there. Now, now, a lot of these people don't trust <clears throat> the public defenders or government-paid attorney. You know, I would who get it, who get their check on the, um, you know, from the government. Yeah. Um, but how about um, how about like a compliance cost? How about a legal cost up front? So, in other words, whatever it costs Stuart Rhodes to defend himself, the, the, he would be fronted that he could put on a good defense, good proper defense, so he doesn't lose simply because he doesn't have the money. What do you think? Um, so, so yeah, but the but the thing is, is most of the public defenders that they can get are overworked, and you know. No, but he could hire um, his own attorney. He could if he if he had two hundred grand up front as a legal fee to 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 defend himself in court, he could hire his own attorney. He wouldn't have to be defending yeah, the public defender. 
So that's what I'm saying. Is in other words, the, the government pays the cost up front. If the government has taxpayer money to, to prosecute, investigate, and to uh, do you know, things that they do, why shouldn't the government use taxpayer money to give to the people that they're investigating in the same way? Well, they, they probably should. And <clears throat> the thing is, like, for example, we, uh-huh. um, at, we're, we're, I'm, I'm working for the John Pierce Law Firm and Roger Roots. I mean, not like we're sort of a virtual group. So it's not like a necessarily formal, but I'm doing a lot of work with them and for them. And huh. that's um, interesting. Roger's a friend they, of the show. Uh, <clears throat> you know, they, I'm well familiar um, with Roger. Yeah. Most I don't know the don't other have, one. You know, mo- most of these, and, and some of the people, Unfortunately, there is there are a lot of like attacks back and forth, which which is good for no one. Um, you know that people are getting rich. So I'm like, how do you get rich from people who don't have any money? Um, and <laughs> you know, two, even two hundred thousand dollars is a hell of a lot of money. But appeals are hard. They're very detailed. You have to cite to the transcript. You you know you have to the, the courts the appeals courts will look for any trap door. To, to, to toss out the appeal. Um, you know, they've got all these trap doors saying like, oh, you didn't preserve this properly or, mm-hmm. you know, you, Chain you of filed command. an objection, but, but you didn't. That kind of so, stuff. I mean, basically to preserve yeah. the appeal, you have to um, confront the trial judge that is making a mistake. So you're in a position of either angering the trial judge or mm-hmm. losing your appeal. And everybody knows this. You know, and any trial judge who's not like a, ch- a child, uh, you know, knows that, that an attorney must tell him, you're making a mistake, this is wrong, don't do this. And, you know, but the trial judges are like little petty tyrants and they get offended. And so you're, you know, people are stuck. And then the appeal court comes back and say, oh, you didn't press for a decision. You know, you didn't press forcefully enough. So your, your issue is lost on appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a lot of very tricky thing, you know, appeals are not, I mean, the the appeal court is not just going to take the case and like review it all from scratch. You have to Hmm. point out and you say here on this page right here, this is an error. And so it's very detailed work. It's very tricky work. You're not just going to have a second look, um, at at these things, but you know, so um, you know, for two things, for example, so like we're probably spending on average about um, maybe 15000 per January 6th. Now, some of them are going to be more, some is less, but, you know, where, you know, where people think that people are getting rich off this stuff. First of all, when you do a, uh, a criminal defense like this, off the top, you have to deal with expenses. You may have to have a process server to go out and serve a, a witness subpoena. You may you may have to print up briefs. There are you have filing fees. There are things that that before the attorney even sees a penny have to be covered. Um, and then you know most of these attorneys would be making more money at Home Depot than they would um, defending <laughs> January six people. Right. Um, so you know two two hundred thousand dollars. You know so, sounds like you know, even 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 that is a lot of money, but that is like this is like the one of the two biggest trials in the entire ball game. Well, how much and, has the government spent prosecuting? I'm just out of curiosity. Oh, I'm, like, I'm, 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 I forget the number, but I've seen it, and they keep getting supplements. 
it, it's probably approaching $100 million. So, um, and that's, you, not, so that's probably not we, including go ahead. Um, all of the manpower of the FBI and everything like that. Okay. So if we equalized in the defense fund the amount of money that the government is spending to prosecute anybody, that, would, that should cover it. If they can spend $100 million prosecuting him, he should have $100 million for his defense. We'll call it defense. Yeah, if, there were, if it were equal, 95% of the people would be found not guilty. Okay. Well, maybe that's what we should I mean, there are some people. Then. I mean, we remember on the video, called there were defense some people equity. who were banging. Yeah. Huh? Called defense equity. I mean, there, there <laughs> were some people who were, who were banging on the door of the chambers and sticking their face through like uh, The Shining. Um, Jack Nicholson in The Shining, you know, sticking in the, <laughs> you know there, there are some who, you know, belong in jail for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And um, that's like what you said about Trump and pardoning. Trump would have to set up a bureaucracy um, of people who are not corrupt and untrustworthy to, re- to go through all of these. And, and to, um, you know, he can't just pardon everybody. Because there are some people who shouldn't be pardoned. Right. Um, 90, 90 to 95% of them should be pardoned. Now, a pardon, uh, to finish your question a, a while ago, is, is to vacate it like it never happened. Now, you can't un, you can't, if people have served time in jail, you can't, you know, undo that. But in terms, but legally, it's like the conviction and the case never occurred. It's, it's right. erased from, from history. Um, he can also commute the sentence, which is like saying, okay, look, you did it, but, you know, 18 years in jail is absurd. I'm going to commute it down to six months. So the person is still guilty, but the sentence, the, the, the president can, um, you know, can reduce the sentence. Yeah, but the and, and that, what, and, and what I'm I would, hoping is they'll, like you said, erase it, like it never happened, uh-huh. like the prosecution was bogus, that the the charges, right. you know, they they've been but, exonerated. But that means, I guess is that, the term, right? That means that some that some group of people are going to have to pour through the records of at least a thousand cases, and they're still going. And so, um, no, I'll take it from Ukraine. Take it the budget from there. Shouldn't be a problem. You know, stuff funny there. Right, but you, well, more than that, it's like. If, if he goes, because there is an office of pardon attorney. And right now, I would, I would assume huh. that they are, I, I do not know anybody there, but just the way we're, what we've seen everywhere else, I would assume that they are utterly corrupt politically. Yeah. Not, yeah. Now, when you say corrupt, people think that means a bag of money changing hands. Everybody, every ordinary person knows that it means, it means twisted in terms of purpose and honesty and integrity. It does not mean that anybody is getting, you know, a bag of money. It means that it's they bribery. are bribery. <laughs> it's different. That would be bribery. And, and, yeah. and, but when you say the word corrupt, the judges and everybody else will scream, you're accusing them of bribery. No, I'm not. I'm saying that they are not. It's like Chris Plant says on the radio here in DC. It's like, they're not on our side. You know, every day he, he, he likes to summarize all the news items and he, he winds them up by saying, because they're not on our side. Or, you know, and he says, this crazy thing happened, and he winds it up by saying, because Democrats. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so it's, it's the fact that these people are twisted in terms of their morality and their integrity and their, 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 the, the purpose that they're trying to achieve. Well, they don't have integrity. So the option of corruption yes. would be integrity. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, I, I think it's like if you, have a, if you have a machine part 
that's twisted. So it doesn't work. To me, that's what corrupted means. But to the, I just want people to know that when you talk about corruption, people may scream at you and think you're accusing them of a crime. Like, no, I'm not accusing them of a crime. I'm accusing them of not doing their job. Um, okay. So I would think that the office of attorney, I would not, I don't know any of them. I don't know anything about any of them. I would just, on general principle from what we've been seeing, I would fire them all. If Trump came in, he should fire them all. And he'd have to fire, he'd have to hire people he actually trusts. Well, he's going to have to fire most of the federal government <laughs> because they're all yes. Democrat, insurgent, Marxist plants. You know, I mean, they really you look are. at the, uh, you know, I mean, Schedule F is not big enough. 50,000? No, he's got to, he's got to, my, my thing, I would fire everybody over 30 <laughs> just as a start. I don't understand the Schedule F thing, but remember, I I worked for five years in the in the U.S. Department of Education, and I mm-hmm. was pursuing both political appointees appointments and civil service appointments. I happened to get hired as a civil service, and so I rubbed shoulders with these people, and they didn't. They knew I was. They kind of figured out I was conservative, but they didn't know how conservative I was. So I can tell you. <laughs> They are demo- they they are oh, they yeah. are lost boys and people hire like you people know. you know so they they hire their you know that's how I, I get fired so many times because I wasn't of the political or ideological or even the the conceptual business view of, of the person that hired me you know but right. well, well schedule they, they are lost yeah. boys yeah um, schedule anyway, lesson so, not, so, uh, I was okay I'm sorry go ahead so that's what would happen if Trump came in he would have right. to. Have somebody now. The other thing he could do, what I would say is that, for example, we talk about um, 18 U.S.C. 1512, where obstructing an official proceeding, where there's no evidence of it whatsoever. Kavanaugh, when they when they tried to stop Kavanaugh from becoming uh, a, a U.S. Supreme Court justice, they openly admitted that they were taking over the Senate Hart Building, they were taking over the Senate Judiciary Committee to to prevent uh, an official government function. They admitted it. Mm-hmm. And they got off with a $50 fine. Mm. So one thing to do would be for the President Trump to order, okay, every, everything that the January 6th people are accused, for, accused, accused of, just give them the same thing that the left got. So if, 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 they, if, they, if they were convicted <laughs> yeah. of this, I'm commuting it to a $50 fine. That actually makes sense. Um, be, um, that, but that would be... Otherwise, it would be a gigantic job to go through all of, all these things. So, so anyway, that's about Trump and, and pardoning. And, of course, um, Trump needs to start by firing his own attorneys, as I keep saying. Um, but um, otherwise... Even Christina Bob, who's been on the show? I mean, she, she's... No, no, not Christina Bob. Alina Habib is excellent. Okay. Um, Dylan Harmit Dillon, even though I don't... You know, she's got... She's controversial in her, in her role as... Uh, in the GOP, but right. um, she's excellent. Um, who's the other one? I mean, Jenna Ellis has like gone to all DeSantis, so I don't know, but she was good. Um, and there's a couple others who were excellent. Yeah, I liked her but, too. I, I, she was great with uh, uh, Giuliani when they did the hearings, the ones that nobody watched. Right. <laughs> proving, the election, proving the election was a fraud. Well, let me just do Schedule F for a second because it's really interesting. Uh, it takes 50,000 civil service employees at the upper management and the policymaking level and makes them like cabinet people, makes them subject to hiring and firing uh, the old-fashioned way. 
So it just converts. The, so they lose their civil service and they become simply employees, and they can be hired and fired, whatever. Well, fifty thousand. I I would I wouldn't stop there. I'd I'd go. What's the federal government? Over a million people. I would take uh-huh. all of them and make them schedule F. I don't think there should be civil. I would abolish civil service. You know, uh-huh. another thing. Another yeah. thing that could be done too. Here's here's another one. We've never we haven't really talked about this. John F. Kennedy is the one who signed an executive order creating federal employee unions. Well, Trump could, uh-huh. in the same way, revoke that, and there wouldn't be federal employee unions, and they'd be gone. And should yeah the um, um that's well I'm saying is there are periods of time in which in which you couldn't do that politically. Today it's like you know the American people are like all these all these gelding party people and you talk about them like you don't get it people hate you you know they they want to attack Trump so that people you know so that their 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 ex girlfriend will come back and love them and say we talked about this before. <laughs> They'll say, you know, so if the, if the old boyfriend points out all right. the faults uh-huh. of the girl's new girl, new boyfriend, that uh-huh. will make the girl go, oh, you know what? You're right. Um, I should come back and, you know, and make up with you. Like, uh-huh. uh-huh. if, you know, it's not going to, I mean, even if, <laughs> even if the girlfriend says, you know what? You're right. My new boyfriend is a bum. She's never going back to the no. guy who like, who like criticized her decisions. It's not going to happen. You know, it's not the 1950s anymore. The, the American people are never going, you know, we, we, the establishment, the geldings, the, what do you call them, the swamp creatures of both parties, we hate you. We're never mm-hmm. going to stop hating you. We're never going to love you again. I don't mm-hmm. care what you say about Trump. Yep. We're not coming back. Yeah. You know, it's over. You know, go, go sell insurance. <laughs> and and so, you know, but they think that and nothing against insurance. I'm just saying do something productive with your lives. You know, um, go go do something that, you know, that has nothing to do with Republican politics because you're toast. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah. So they, um, um, you know, well, they uh, ask, anyway, I don't know what you think. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask a question from an earlier part of the show. Uh, what do you think of Vivek Ramaswamy? Um. I mean, he sounds great. I mean, I'm a little okay. There's a lot to. I mean, when a when a when a politician is willing to say things that strongly that are strong and and identify with the American voters against the establishment, they're brave. You know, this is why sometimes people say, "Oh, you want someone who agrees with you 100 percent?" No, no. I'd be happy with someone who agrees with me 80 percent. But if they're willing to say really strong things. I know they're not going to back down in, you know, when they get in office. Because if, if they're willing to call the establishment on the carpet, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to be, go squishy if they're elected. And, and mm-hmm. so I don't know if Vivek, you know, just has great speechwriters. You know, I don't know if he has great, um, you know, consultants to write things for his website. But he sure, sure sounds damn good. And, 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 and most Does he people, sound too good? Well, I don't know. What, I mean, in, in, no, I mean, in, in, the, the way our country is, I don't think there's anything such thing as too good um, okay. because we're I mean, we are so we are so de- deteriorated. Um, but but the, but the thing is, is that, you know, the question then becomes, does he mean it? You know, when Ronald Reagan wanted to fight for something, you knew he wasn't just saying it. You knew he mm-hmm. meant it. Mm-hmm. When when Trump says it now and Trump, you know, Trump started out kind of wobbly. 
you know, coming out of the Democratic Party. But you know now that if he if he tells you he's going to fight for something, he will fight for it. Um, that's that's the same thing with Christine O'Donnell, who, uh, you know, I helped and as a conservative and people would, you know, people would say like, oh, you want someone who's 100 percent, you know, who agrees with 100 percent. It's like, no, I, I want someone that if they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. And and, uh, you know, I don't agree. I didn't agree with her on everything, like say, well, I want no one to say it. But there are some issues I didn't agree with her. on. But I knew that if she said she's going to fight for something, she's going to fight mm-hmm. for it. Right. And so for well, I don't know. Yeah. Well, let I mean, me give you sounds, uh, me, Go ahead. Finish, finish your thought. I'm sorry. I'm no, I mean, he sounds magnificent. He sounds magnificent. Every time I hear him, I'm more and more impressed. And, okay. and to some extent, RFK Jr. too. Well, that's, I want to talk about Trump, him. Yeah, I want to talk about him in a yeah, minute. Yeah, because I don't, I, I'm not saying that Trump is, you know, Trump is not, you know, the, the he's not, he's not the leader of the Christian evangelical movement. He's mm-hmm. not, he, you know, he's not the, the, the perfect conservative. But if there's a wall, he's going to knock it down. Mm-hmm. And to me, or I think build that's, it up. that's what, <laughs> well, that kind of, okay, there you go. That's true. But if there's, right. if there's, if there's some, if, if there's, if there's a swamp, you know, if there's something in the establishment, he's going to take a wrecking ball to it. And see, this is why the establishment hates him is because they say, oh, there's too much drama. It's like, how are you going to win a war without drama? You know, they're like, oh, he's, you know, he's a wrecking ball. Yeah. Now you're getting it. You know, like, like uh, Sean Connery says, now you're getting it, old boy. And I, I keep thinking of that accent. Sean Connery. Um, yeah. And now, now what now you are prepared get... to do. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. So, Money, penny. So everything that, the, everything that the establishment thinks disqualifies Trump is why we want him. We want mm-hmm. him to destroy you, establishment. Um, so, you know, I don't know that, that, you know, everything Trump says is perfect. It's perfect on every issue. But I just know that, that he is going to, you know, to destroy what needs to be destroyed. Well, let me um, tell you what I found. Not, let me, let me tell ahead. you what I found earlier this morning. Um, here's a headline from the Huffington Post, May 3rd, article by David Moy, M-O-Y-E. Vivek Ramaswamy paid to get Soros connection erased from Wikipedia page. Apparently, he got a Soros award, and he wanted that taken out two weeks before he declared for president. I'm going to find the exact line here. Uh, it says Mediate is reporting that uh, Swami's page now includes a warning that the article has multiple issues, contains paid contributions, and may require cleanup to comply with Wikipedia's content policies. So it says here, Wikipedia's article version history shows that in February, an editor identified by Mediate as Jay Hofferman removed lines from Ramaswamy receiving a Paul and Daisy Soros Fellowship for New Americans in 2011. How about that? I didn't know you could do that. I don't know how you. I don't know how you can pay to get. But whatever. Well, I mean, no, yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting now. The Huffington Post. Okay, the Huffington Post is a liberal paper. They don't like. They don't like Republicans. So they're actually helping us pointing out something that the conservatives are not pointing out. That apparently Swami, you know, who I call Obama, <laughs> you know, too, because uh, he's he's uh, you know he's he's the 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 appropriately colored. Know, young, you know, articulate person that uh, brings hope and change. You know, I'm waiting for the well, three somebody, panels. You somebody know. said, uh, other people have said that the left will tell you who they're afraid of. Yeah, 
But why would they tell? Why would they say that this guy has a uh, a Paul and Daisy Soros Paul and Daisy Soros fellowship, which is so easily verified? We could just look it up. Did he win it in 2011? Why? Why would? And why would that be taken off his his uh, uh, information if it's so easily verified? Something's wrong here. I think there's something wrong with this guy. Seriously wrong. He's not who he pretends to be. Could be. Yeah. There's another one here, too. It says Ramaswamy's page was also edited to remove his role uh, on the state of Ohio's COVID-19 response team. So in other words, he's a, he's a vaxxer. He's a big pharma guy, and he owns a biotech company. Gee, what a surprise. Uh, it says, uh, this is when the editor noted that Ramaswamy's request to have his well, COVID... I, were, I, were, I don't know. I don't either. All, all I know I is just found the article. Great. Okay. Sounds too great. So let's talk about Robert Francis Kennedy. My contention is, and I said this in a show about a month or two ago, that the reason that the best part about this election is that the Republican Party hates Donald Trump and the Democrat Party hates Robert Francis Kennedy. And it's only a matter of time before those two get together as the non-deep state ticket. Or RFK becomes well, head of health, mean, and health and human services under Trump. There but is a giant assumption in that, that people will do what they should do. And and I'm you know I have you know many broken hearts over people doing what would make sense, what would make what would be a good idea, what they ought to do. Uh-huh. But um, you know Ron DeSantis should have waited it out. And um, I think, well, let's I mean, talk, I, let's I, talk I about think, him. Why, why would it was so obvious to us? We said this for months. He's not going to run. He's not that stupid. He can't. If he runs in 2024, he'll he'll also lose. 2028. All he has to do is sit up there fat and happy in the governorship of Florida, which he's doing really well at now, now that he's stopped being a dictator uh, and, a, and a COVID freak. Um, but he's actually doing well. You know, Disney thing, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. But uh, he could have just supported Trump, said, yes, I'll be your Trump coordinator, you know, and then ran in 2028 and, and very likely win. Now he's not going to get that. Now he's not going to get anything. Everybody hates him. He's, he's a donor class. He's, he's now deep state. What an idiot. Well, I mean, I, that I, stupid. I don't think, you know, I, I really don't think that he is the rhino people think he is, but he, he has allowed himself to be used by everybody. I mean, he, he became the great white hope, as the old saying goes, which is <laughs> actually quite racist, really, but that's the old yeah, thing is. of, yep. um, you know, of all the never Trumpers. Mm-hmm. And he... For a long time, he just stayed quiet, and I think with hmm. good reason because you know Trump has been indicted. Um, mm-hmm. He might be convicted and made un- unavailable, mm-hmm. and then, like we said before, DeSantis could have ri- ridden in on a white horse and be the savior, and he should have done that. Um, and like I say, I've always thought that we need another four years of Trump destroying things, and then we need someone to rebuild. Mm-hmm. And DeSantis would have been the perfect person to come back and, and build, you know, rebuild on the ruins of of the corrupt D.C. establishment. Again, I remind people to go back and watch the the Capra. Oh, what's the guy's name? Um, Frank. The, um, Frank Capra. The, the the movie maker, not the not the the um, other guy. The, um, yeah, Frank Capra was the movie uh, maker. Jimmy Stewart. You know, Mr. Yeah, Smith the, goes to Washington. All Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Right. Because one of the things that I would ask people to, to, to go and look at, first of all, they should you know, probably watch it once a year. But, <laughs> but go back and notice how 
in the 1930s, um, the, the Hollywood portrayed extreme corruption in Washington. Yep. And the audiences, they were like, yeah, I believe that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the 30s, it was like, you know, Washington. Well, Will struck. Rogers. Yeah. Remember when Will Rogers said we've got the best Congress money can buy? I mean, he yeah. made a living making fun of Congress and corruption. Right. Tippy Canoe and Tyler, too. When was that? The 20s? Yeah, I don't know. So, so I mean, but, you know, the idea that the idea that Washington, D.C. is 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 corrupt and, and mostly worthless, mm-hmm. you know, is a hundred, that's that's almost a century ago. It's not more. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, but the thing is, is well, wait a minute. No, is, no, is no, no. This is really important. There's something really important about that film that, you, that you've uh, uh, neglected to mention. You know what has changed since Mr. Smith goes to Washington? Well, the press. Do you remember the journalists, mm. the reporters? Yeah. And Mr. Smith goes to Washington. They were real reporters. They walked a beat. They had sources. They actually wrote stories. They said, you yeah. know, the, the, we, we represent the people. You know, they, mm-hmm. so you can't trust you people. You represent the government. We represent the people. Mm-hmm. And they were absolutely right in those days. Yeah. But the, the press has changed. Do you remember um, uh, Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford uh, in All the President's Men? Time of the Washington mm-hmm. Post. Uh, Jason Robards played. Uh, I actually looked like Ben Bradley. <laughs> that was kind of funny, actually. They really looked alike. Ben Bradley was the editor of the Washington Post back when it was an actual newspaper, and they actually typed things up mm-hmm. on, you know, carbon paper and things like that. But uh, journal. What really has changed since Mr. Smith? The politicians are just as corrupt as they've always been, if not more so, because now they have the internet and they can fundraise better. But I think what's changed is the press. There is no press. There is no, there is no fourth estate or whatever they're called. The, the, there is no journalist class that wants a story. They don't want to be a. Mm-hmm. They don't want to write a story against government. They want to be the government. Right. They want a pat like on the head them. with them. Yeah. <clears throat> they uh, no. Huh. They Chris again. Chris Plant is our local DC thing, and he he he. Whenever he references the Washington Post, he says it, it, it's almost like a newspaper. But it's not. <laughs> that, that's how he describes the Washington Post. It looks like a newspaper, but it's not. Hmm. Um, so, so he should uh, have us as guests. Yeah. Do you know Chris Plant? I mean, oh, he okay. he's, he's great. Okay, well, let's get on his show. So, let's tell him about so anyway, it. Um, I'm serious. <clears throat> so we've um, <laughs> gone through all this and haven't even. Uh, I guess we're, we're coming near the, the end of the. The hour. Yeah, we got Dorothy coming up next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) but I mean, things that I have not gone into the nitty gritty. Let me just preview it, I guess, is for uh, the January 6th cases, because there's a lot of minutia and a lot Mm -hmm. of cases. And, you know, I didn't think it was necessarily a broad interest to go into the nitty gritty um, issues of, you know, of each case and the latest um, details and things like that. But right. we're really starting to see some themes emerge that are extremely disturbing. And, you know, they're basically rewriting our country in in the uh, criminal prosecutions of January 6th. How much time do I have here? we got about two minutes right now, but let's, I've already written down next week uh, January 6th themes because this is, this is something that, that's critical. Um, because well, they're, they're, they're prosecuting them. And I have an article coming out on Substack right after the show. I've almost proofed it and, and rewritten what I want, uh, saying the government is always right, and that's how they, uh, they can judge what is misinformation, because they can't be wrong. 
you know, and so we're, we're going to talk about that. You but you, you, you look at, yeah, you look at January 6th and they're basically prosecuting people for thinking for themselves, for objecting yep. to what the deep state is doing for, for actually telling they're, they're the first people who have been prosecuted for truth. Well, not the first, I mean, Galileo was, but this is, this is a longstanding tradition of governments to, to, you know, crucify metaphorically or physically anybody uh, who stands in the way of their power. And all the no, January 6th people and, did was say, I want the battleground state states with uh, Trump electors and Brandon electors to have them go back to the states and let them pick the right one. That's it. That was right. what January 6th was all about. And they'll, claim, they'll claim that they'll not, you know, when, when we file motions, first of all, people should understand that everything that they can think of about January 6th, attorneys are filing motions and fighting these arguments. It's just that the judges aren't, you know, the judges that would listen to arguments in any normal case are just not buying it in this in these this case these cases. It's a total different, uh, you know, um, argue, uh, law applies here, which is basically none at all. But um, <clears throat> when we keep filing lawsuits saying saying that politics should not be allowed, you know, they should not be people should not be prosecuted for their politics. They're saying, oh, we're not. We're not doing that, and then they spend the entire trial doing it. So, so the idea that they're prosecuting people for not for unapproved opinions, it really is true. Yeah. You know, and it costs a lot of money to get the transcripts, but we have the transcript. You know, we can prove it from the transcripts. I mean, because they do want to say like, well, we, you know, we want to show their intent, what was their mindset, and you know, there's some some of that's true. But they go way beyond that to just telling a D.C. jury, 91 percent of whom voted for uh, for Biden, um, that, you know, these people, these people don't believe what you believe. Uh, we, we just had a trial end up and I know you're out of time where a pastor. Well, just give me a couple son, minutes. Uh, we got a couple more minutes. His his son, some just take care of first. Then she'll be right with us. So, yeah. Well, Keep I'll going. just say this and consider it a preview a trailer um the um um they were just convicted of the four misdemeanors um when there was absolutely no evidence of at least three of them i mean we thought we thought this was going to be the first one where a jury found them not guilty because there was no evidence at all of any kind um all, all the no plea deals right was, these weren't plea deals they, they didn't accept the misdemeanor plea deal so they didn't get a, fel- a bogus felony no. charge they would take a bogus misdemeanor charge so they actually yeah, went to well, trial. They, they were only char- they were only prosecuted for the four the, the standard four misdemeanors, mm-hmm. um, which is going in the restricted area, which maybe they could have made that stick, then being being disorderly and disruptive in a restricted building, being disorderly and destruct, uh, disruptive in a capital building, right. and parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a capital building. You know, there's <laughs> several buildings on the capital complex, and. Right. Um, <clears throat> There was no, there was just no evidence whatsoever. We asked the cap, the captain of the U.S. Capitol Police, like, you know, did they parade? No. Did they demonstrate? No. Did they kick anybody? No. Did they, you know, brawl with anybody? No. Did they, you know, were they disruptive? They said, well, and this is where the raindrop theory. If I have, at some point, actually, you don't. Dorothy's here now, so we're going to go. We're going to move All on right, well, to we'll, her in we'll just do, a second here. So you, you, but, yeah. you can look forward uh-huh. to that next week. Yeah, should be fun. Well, I mean, and these okay. principles are so critical. Um, so thank you, sir, and keep working on it. Right, and uh, 
Okay. You take care. All right. All right, you too. Thank and, you. Uh, where is – oh, wait a minute. Uh, I was in the wrong place. <laughs> I had Dorothy's old commercial, which I'm going to play at some point and surprise her once again. Where did I ah, – here's what I want. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. I mean, just listening to that, I just totally changed my mood and go, okay, now, totally different subject. You know, like the politics goes away. I feel like the waterfall, you know, it's like all my politics goes over the cliff with the waterfall crashes the bottom. It's all gone. Now I'm just like this, this calm lake up top and everything's great. Hi, Dorothy. Hi. I'm glad you feel that way. That sounds pleasant. Mm. I, I, I can't imagine if you were saying, oh, Dorothy, now you're here. I get so stressed out when it's time to talk to you. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the anti-stress hour. This is the relief from all the, the heavy stuff we deal with. It. Well, do, have you ever checked out the show and, and listened to You don't even have to listen to the full, but get, get a feel for, for like the first hour when I actually mm-hmm. had, Pianchi, I had Pianchi and I had uh, Josh uh, from Illinois join us. And we had a you know, really intense discussion. And then, then Jonathan, we're talking legal stuff and that was, that was more technical, but uh, still pretty intense. And then your show comes on and it is the biggest change uh, that we do mm-hmm. all week. Yeah. So I do. You know, I listen, I, I do Pilates on Monday and oh. I have a half an hour drive home because I moved. It's a very good class. And so it's worth it. But on the way home, I put on your show to just kind of catch up what what y'all are talking about and mm-hmm. and meanwhile i'm usually getting texts from a lot of people so but mm. yeah it's a def- definitely a different vibe <laughs> no yeah totally well this, that's why i like having you on i don't want to be consistent the same i don't want to be like rush limbaugh who uh, basically did a one-hour show three times <laughs> you really all you had to do was listen to one hour because the, the the next two hours are pretty much the same thing um, yeah, which boring, is which is it? no fun. Yeah, my hours are completely different. So, what's going on in sex and sensuality? What's uh, what's what's happening in the I emotional love, world out there? Well, I love the post. The post you tagged me on, and then I reposted uh-huh. it, um, mm-hmm. and it was so beautifully written. It was almost like a poem. And she talked about insecure attachment. So I reached out after I got some comments, and then I got some private messages on that one too, mm-hmm. and some really good feedback. And it's cute how no one wants, like, people don't really want to call in a lot of people and discuss it, but they want to just tell me privately all their thoughts. <laughs> you can read comments And then honestly. I talk about it. You can, well, yeah. I, listen, believe that happens all the time to me. Uh, I, I've had constant people, you know, I said, come on the show. If you ever notice my phone, come on the show and talk. No, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I guess, uh, you know, I didn't know. People okay, think fine. it's hard because we'll have to know exactly the right thing to say, or they might sound silly. Um, and, and I understand that. And it, it well, really I don't know is the right thing to say. And I do yeah, sound silly. Either. I never a lot of times. Do. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. So just briefly, just to catch, mm-hmm. I, I would like to just, I'll just read a piece of that out loud and then kick Please. off the discussion because it's, it's, I think this is very, very prevalent 
almost the point of being epidemic in um, masculine and feminine energy relationships. And it's Mm -hmm. um, reflective of some wounding. It's reflective of what we can call the shadow feminine or the shadow masculine. Um, And, you know, the the overarching goal for me, and I'll just say this, you know, in case just to wrap, why are we talking about this? The overarching goal for me is a wonderful, beautiful, committed, sacred, long-term, hopefully for life, monogamous relationship with your intended beloved where there is polarity, therefore intense passion and chemistry, as well as a deep mutual respect, seeing each other, hearing each other, being able to live your lives, carrying out maybe a mission that benefits the community, benefits your family, and also having your own, you know, a little bit of your own thing aside from each other to recharge. But this beautiful balance, a best friendship, passion, and, um, and commitment for life. So this, this for me is the goal, uh, for, um, for the kind of people I talk to and I sort of cohort with, this is, this is really the goal, the, the coming together, the masculine energy, feminine energy, in a really beautiful way that brings strength to yourself and others around you. Yep. So, yeah. So that's why I felt this post was important because this is what, this is seen a lot, this type of coming together where the wounding isn't quite healed and there's still a lot of inner child fears and reactivity from um, parenting situation usually that wasn't ideal and mm-hmm. um, or relationships where there was, and I hate this, I don't hate this word, but it's a sort of overuse. I'm just going to say where trauma happened and um, just wounding of the soul a little bit from, from relationships that went really badly. No, I got both yeah. of those. <laughs> yeah, we all do. And the marriage, I actually have all three family relationship and marriage, you know, trauma. Oh, and so, uh, yeah, it's you know, real. but I'm still here. Life goes on. You know, we all have it. We can't, you can't avoid it. The only, I mean, I don't believe yep. you can avoid it. I think the only way to avoid it is to never enter relationship. And that is a lonely, sad place. Relationships are where we learn about ourselves. We grow, we heal and, mm-hmm. and we learn what love really is. And that's mm-hmm. kind of why we're here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what'd you so find in, let in, me in just read a, a, yeah. yeah, read as much this as you want because it's me. really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Insecure. This is the soul journey with Sarah Musa. That's her. That's mm-hmm. the title of the page, but that's not who wrote it. She, she copied it from this other author that I'll say at the end. Insecure attachment is wounded polarity. If there is attraction, there is polarity always. But what that polarity is and how it plays out really depends on what is driving it. Just like a magnet, attraction is always to an opposite. A feminine being yearns for her masculine and a masculine being pursues his feminine. Attraction is not rational, however, and sadly, the nature of this day and age has given us more kinks than we know how to handle. Hmm. The masculine, so stoic, so independent, so freedom-focused. When wounded, he does not know how to truly embody this freedom. Instead, he pushes away, hides his feelings, becomes untouchable. In a man or a woman, usually a man, we call this avoidance. The feminine, so receptive, so intimate, so relationally focused. When wounded, she does not know how to truly relax into intimacy. Instead, she clings, overshares her feelings, becomes needy. In a woman or man, we call this anxious. Mm -hmm. These two poles, avoidant and anxious, dance together in a dysfunctional tango of suffering. Push and pull, break up and make up, hot, but not hot. (laughs) This is a polarity. 
the wounded masculine fights for his freedom at the expense of a relationship, and the wounded feminine fights for connection at the expense of herself. Together, they tear apart any possibility of the true depths of intimacy available. Because in order to find attraction with our mate, we always need polarity. And if we haven't healed our nervous systems, haven't discovered how to bond as integrated adults, then what you will find is this wounded dance where love withers and the petals of hope fall without renewal. To truly know the possibilities of masculine and feminine polarity is to grow beyond the insecurity. Passion thrives in secure relating. And the author of this is Damien Bowler, Mm -hmm. who I don't know much about, but apparently a lot of people do. So that's interesting. Uh, so I very yeah. interesting. And, um, it's mm-hmm. uh, it, and I actually post something on another post on, on I think the original, um, and I thought I'm dragging it up. But I thought it'd be more important to listen to you and take your take on this. But it comes back to what I've said: men feel uh, secure when they're free, and women feel free when they're secure. We are polar opposites, mm-hmm. uh, but that opposite that opposition is not opposition. But those opposites are necessary for attraction. I agree with that. I mean, polarity. You look at magnets. You know, they they're. Uh, you know, you flip the polarity, they attract you, you, you know, you flip back again uh, and they repel each other. It's, it's quite interesting the way, the way the attraction, you know, and I actually relayed this to physics when I, when I wrote about this. And I'm thinking, I, for some reason, planets came to mind and, and planets orbit around the sun. So they have to, they have a mass and they have a velocity and that mass and velocity balances gravity pulling us towards the sun and centrifugal force pushing us away from the sun. So you got four forces mm-hmm. in balance. We're like, relationships are kind of saying the same way we as people have mass you know we are real you know we have velocity we're moving through life uh we have both gravity towards another person and uh, centrifugal force pushing us away so in the same way that planets hold their position you know we we can hold our position with people but recognize there there are multiple forces pulling us in all directions and balancing those this is why relationships take effort take i wouldn't say work necessarily but they take participation you got to be participating you know, because you've, you've got to maintain, you've, you've got your mass, you've got to maintain your velocity um, together, you know, and, uh, but you're going to have forces that attract you and pull you apart, and you've got to balance those. It's really quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. You can almost quantify relationships uh, in, in physical terms, but it still comes back to men feel secure when they're free and women feel free when they're secure. That, that's that's well, Greg's axiom for, energy. you know, yeah. Physics, physics is, is energy and mm-hmm. a lo- lot to do with energy, and so is the relationship. So it's interesting because you can pinpoint the exact behaviors someone does when it comes, mm-hmm. comes to, I guess we're talking about anxious, anxious avoidant relationships, mm. which is a typical relationship. It's, it's a very typical bond because the anxious mm. person um, needs more and more and more, and, and then the avoidant keeps pulling back, right? The, the avoidant feels very scared and trapped when the anxious member of the relationship keeps asking for more closeness and neediness and reassurance and they pull back, back, back. Yeah, more, more gravity avoidant. creates <laughs> more gravity creates. Yes, and, and then it, it's just this really <laughs> yeah. bad cycle and then it erupts usually in a big fallout blowout and then there's possibly um, you know, if the if the avoidant has indeed now ghosted or completely <laughs> gone AWOL. Yeah. Um, yeah. The anxious well, is literally having panic attacks and, and thinning and, out. And anxiousness, yeah. the, the desire for more gravity actually causes more uh, centrifugal force. In other words, the, 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 the need to be closer and more, shall I say, controlling actually causes more desire to be further and further away. And it's I think interesting that you said controlling because it's interesting that you said controlling because if we take this into feminine masculine energy talk, um, mm-hmm. 
first of all, the fact that it is like physics. So people feel the energy. It's not just your behaviors and what you say and do. Literally your couplehood can, the person you're in couple with can feel the energy of your focus, complete focus and attention on them, anxious people. So yep. you, they have to heal and they have to learn if they're ever going to be happy in a relationship, they have to learn how to fulfill themselves with happiness outside the relationship, um, heal the wounding because it usually comes from abandonment issues as a child. It can come from also um, being cheated on an adult, but almost everyone, it's childhood. I mean, I don't think there's anyone I've ever talked to that's not from childhood, including myself, because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a healing, anxious, attached. Um, hmm. But the energy is very, what you talked about, touched on about energy and about control. So energy, um, both members feel the other person's energy without them saying a thing, even if you're not in their presence. The anxious can feel the avoidant moving away and being off, like the relationship going somewhere else entirely with their attention Mm -hmm. and just escaping. And the avoidant can absolutely feel the energy of the anxious like on them. Because if um, if you successfully can get your anxious friend to get distracted for a few hours, even for an overnight, like get out of town, really do something that's fun for her, all of a sudden the avoidance starts to knock on the door again, little text here and there. It's very interesting. And then you talked about control, and that's big too because the shadow feminine is control. So, so the feminine oh, energy is receptive. There was a very positive reason I said that. When I, I'm talking control, I'm not talking, you know, outright overt manipulation or, or you know, Threats, extortion, all that kind of stuff. What I'm talking about uh, basically is is relationship rules and expectations. Um, and so this is a this is a, and it is a dark side of feminine. I think this causes a lot of problems for masculine, for mm-hmm. for men. Mm-hmm. In, that, uh, in that rules and expectations are used, you know, in ways to to set the boundaries of the relationship, you know, for what the woman wants. Not considering necessarily what the guy wants. The guy wants, well, I want to do this, I want to do that. I'm, you know, it doesn't mean I care for you any less. But uh, you know, for me, this is kind of important. You know, let's say rock bands. Okay? I like playing rock bands. I know more rock bands that have been destroyed, and not just men, uh, but but partners. You know, whether it's a female to a guy or a, you know a guy to a woman, uh, like a woman lead singer, for example. And the guys in the audience like, don't flirt with the members of the band. Don't do this. You know, you can't have this outlet. And oh, she's just playing music, right? I've seen this personally. And so this is, this is a control rules and expectations thing. Whereas if you, if you, you know, 38 special had it right, hold on loosely, but don't let go. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it really comes down to that, that people, you know, will be closer to you if you let them be themselves. And it's one of the most attractive things. I hey, mean, so that this comes from being healed, Greg. And so we're talking about people okay. who, and this is so prevalent that I think it's worth talking about. Yeah, you know, how do you get to that place that you're talking about? How do you get there? And mm-hmm. um, if you're anxiously attached because, you know, you had family abandonment issues, you weren't emotionally cared for, you had to completely obsess with your caregiver as a small child because they left mm-hmm. or they're emotionally cut off from you, which is very wounding to a child to have especially the maternal energy cut off, the emotional nurturing cut off, um, whether she physically Oh, mine was worse. I, or, I um, had... Uh babysitters for, for three weeks or longer sometimes that were abusive. <laughs> so not only was I, my caregivers, my parents gone, uh, I had people that in place that were actually a threat. Uh, so it's like, so this, okay. And this is unfortunately, it's more common than, I, I think if people come from healthy families, they, they don't understand this, but many people do. And so the goal of <laughs> yeah, the, 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 goal the, of the one, anxious yeah. attachment style is, um, is to then become your own caregiver. So literally emotionally go through a process 
um, where you learn to parent yourself. So you're not relying yep. on that outside your relationship. That exactly and that's a long journey. Yep. But, the, you know, find what makes you happy. You, ha- you know, I recommend people, you know, this, as simple as as simple as making a list of things that literally bring you a physical feeling of joy. And hmm. if you don't have that, if you can't think of anything that actually makes you happy, um, then, I, you know, I would recommend probably professional help, really. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, happiness there's, is a natural a, a state. Bit of a, dead, a deadened soul uh, in there. Yeah. Isn't that isn't that really true? I mean, happiness is not not happy all the time, not giggly hysterical happiness, but just but generally happy is your natural state. And if you're not generally mm-hmm. happy most of the time, because everybody has bad days, bad things, you know, we know that. Mm-hmm. But but how do you how do you be with another person if you're not generally happy? Because all you're going to bring is negative energy. Well, you're going to rely on them because. An, well, an anxious attachment will rely on her partner for her happiness frequently. Like, like the only okay. joy comes from how they interact with me. And if they say the wrong thing, I'm, I'm cascaded into depression and anxiety. And if they say the right thing, I'm floating on cloud nine. It's a lot of extremes, um, constant need of reassurance, very afraid of rejection, cheating, um, obsessed with the relationship, like constantly thinking about it, um, gets very panicky if there's any kind of distance, whether it's emotional or physical, um, over-pleasing, overworking in a relationship, doing way too much to try to be the perfect person, cooking the perfect meals, having the house always look good, your hair always looks good, everything is perfect. And this is not because you're loving self-care and because you have self-pride and, and you're taking mm-hmm. care of yourself with a healthy, integrated, masculine um, it's because you need to prove, you know, all of it is an effort to land him. All of it is an effort to gain love from someone else. So, yeah, we don't think of landing women. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Yeah, and and yeah. one of the, the the strongest ways to control people is to be nice and do things for them, and then say, "Look right. what I've done for the you." Martyr, <laughs> <from> <laughs> That's the dark side. Altruistic place. Yes, you're giving right. what you don't have to give. You're giving mm-hmm. to get instead of just giving because right. you want to and it fills you up. And that's a very healthy place to come from, in my opinion, when, when you mm-hmm. have that um, desire to give just because you have it to give and you want to improve someone else's life or help them. Um, right. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, um, so to, heal, to heal the anxious attachment is, is finding self-care a lot of self-care, putting the attention back on yourself and healing that little child inside that um, felt neglected. So it's a lot of Um, Mm self-talk. A lot of, I always recommend post-it notes around the house everywhere just with beautiful things to say to yourself. You're safe. You're beautiful. All will be well. I highly recommend a spiritual practice, daily prayer. Um, I I think confessing everything to Father God in a very – open way. And I'm in a program right now. I'm always in a program. I love them. But uh, it's so spiritual and uplifting spiritually that it makes me very happy. Because um, mm-hmm. a lot of programs don't talk about God a lot. But I think it's hugely important for healing to have well, a spiritual connection. Yeah. Well, and, and this is uh, something I think is so critical, too. Well, one of the things I noticed on the show is slightly off topic, but that uh, the people that believe the most strongly in freedom also believe the most strongly in God. That God is free. Mm. God is not a restriction. Uh, this is a oh, very, very, it's very common to the show. I picked this up. I've been doing the show over five years. God is freedom. Yeah. God is freedom. And if you go to religion, God is not freedom. God is restriction. God is pain. God is to be feared. God is fire and brimstone. That's the, the human version. But if you go to the actual God in scripture, especially when we have our Oh My God report with Wendy. 
Uh, usually it's Wednesdays, uh, Wednesdays with Wendy's because our, our conversations are incredible too. Um, but we talk a lot about that. She she loves scripture, loves God, hates churches, hates priests that are abusive, uh, well, not priests, pastors, ministers, all these folks that are, are putting God in their view. And God loves freedom. God wants us to be free. It's, you know, it's like God's Which is very interesting because, mm-hmm. because the masculine loves freedom. The masculine needs it. And speaking on freedom, the mm-hmm. only way to be truly free for the feminine energy that's in her shadow the only way to be truly free is to truly love yourself, I believe, to really learn to love yourself independently mm-hmm. of anyone else. The freedom that comes from being completely independent. Um, you know, I don't believe that we're actually independent as humans. So what I mean by that is not codependent. So interdependent, you have relationships where you, you help each other and you're supportive, yet you're not dependent on them for your basic survival and basic happiness. So mm-hmm. you have all of that out, outside the relationship, whatever it is, yet you can rely on others in a healthy way. Well, it's like you're but still your own freedom, person in, in a relationship. You're not, you don't give up your personality. There's not like this third personality. There's you by yourself when you're by yourself or single, you know, the other person when they're single. And together, you know, you're still two people who are individuals and you create a relationship and a partnership from that. But there isn't this, this entity of the relationship that then uh, disavows, disqualifies and eliminates your individual person. I think that's a mistake people make sometimes too. I don't know how you'd even enter a relationship. Well, I know how you can enter it, but I don't believe it's even sustainable for long-term to be in the relationship well, I don't think so either. with an anxious, an anxiously attached person, unless, huh. unless they've done most of their healing and they just have little tendencies to that. Because mm-hmm. when you've done most of your healing and you just have tendencies, you can actually almost have a sense of humor about it and you can accept it. You can say, you know, yeah, I get like that sometimes, right? Like, mm. and your partner knows that. Like, yeah, sometimes I freak out if you don't, if you don't, if I, I start to feel like, you know, you don't see the beauty in me and, or, you know, you're really busy at work. Sometimes I get really anxious and, and I'm learning to deal with that and I've got these tools I'm using, but just, you know, bear with me. And, and if you can have that kind of attitude and they're cool with it, I think it works. Mm-hmm. But the severely anxious who hasn't done any work, um, this this is actually more more pretty common, and I, I just don't see how um, it, it's sustainable for the long term because they're completely dependent on on every little thing the other person says and does is you know we well, can't do that them into a, is, a whirlwind. But let's talk about this because this sounds more of a woman thing than a guy thing. I don't think guys think yeah, of themselves yeah. as dependent more on, on women. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that because it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But guys need mm-hmm. to understand this. They need to understand that if there's a woman who is, uh, you know, relationship dependent or, or somehow, what do you call it, attention dependent? Or what's the word you use? Anxious dependent. No, there's something else. Well, anxious, anxious, something anxious else. attached. Anxious, anxious attached, attached, that's what it is. It's yeah. generally characterized by severe codependence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, but that's really interesting. So, in other words, a guy is not going to be free in a relationship with a person who's anxiously attached, and they may not know why. No. They may, they, they may think the guy might not understand. This is why guys need to understand this, because this, is, this would be a great guy workshop. You know, that here's, you know, that women are much, much more defining themselves by their relationships. I made this post to a comment. Men define themselves by their accomplishments. Women define themselves by their relationships. So women are more dependent on relationships for their identity, for who they are. Guys are more dependent on, on, on what we do. So I don't think of, you know, if, if I had a girlfriend, for which I may even try again. I think it's probably a good idea at this point. Um, but if I have a girlfriend, uh, that's not going to be my primary identification for me. It's going to be Action Radio. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And I have a girlfriend. Yeah. Isn't this great? You know, and I play rock and roll. Isn't this great? You know, and I, I go bike ride, you know, and talk to the animals. Isn't that great too? But my primary identification is action radio. This is where I spend most of my time. This is my passion. This is where I put my work into. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but that's much more of a well, guy orientation. A healthy masculine is not going to be attracted to anxious attachment, actually. So the interesting right. conundrum here is if you're securely attached, you may get involved with anxious attached, but if they're, if they're pretty down that path and they haven't done their work, mm-hmm. usually a, a higher quality masculine is not, it's not going to take him long to figure that out because she but can only put that persona. Yeah, but guys yeah. don't have a word for that. She this. can only have that persona for so long. It's good. The world's right. going to start crumbling pretty soon. Yeah. And but, um, uh, it's not going to work out. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, is, is, is that a woman who, who doesn't want to show that side will come off as confident. And, uh, of course, if they're narcissists, they can just lie through their teeth. But if they're just talking about a, a woman who's like, wants to put the best face forward, you know, the first, everybody's great on the first date. And then, then things kind of go three crazy. months. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so the mask is on for three months, and they're confident, and they're secure, and the relationship is great. But then, who they really are? Yeah, because are. they don't care that much. Because they don't care that uh, much. Because they, because they're not attached. You know, if they're at all functional. Okay. So I'm, I'm not talking about severe psychiatric or, you know, but if they're at all functional in life, they're 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 probably going to have somewhat of their own life, and um, right. and they don't, they don't have feelings yet. They don't have those feelings of attachment yet. It's when the feelings come that the shit hits the fan. Excuse my language. That's okay. We've heard it before. So if if that's the situation, so so how do how so how do women get to a place where they can be attached, mm-hmm. happily attached, um, you know, not not anxiously attached, but uh, you know, hold on loosely, but don't let go attached. Thank you. You may special. you may never heal fully, but there's so much work that can be done to get you to that place. And again, okay. it, I believe God has someone for everyone, and I believe in abundance and abundance of love and, mm-hmm. but nobody can truly, you can't truly love someone else unless you love yourself, period. It's not really love. It's, so it's, how? it's, enme- it's enmeshment and, you right. know, and it's, and so, mean? so don't fool yourself. First of all, to think if you haven't done your work, you're going to end up in a great relationship that's really meaningful for both of you, because if you don't have self love, you know, you can't really give to others in the way that they deserve. So you have to do the work first. Um, and if you don't, you know, you're going to get triggered to no end until you're so miserable and everyone else is so miserable um, that you do do the work, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to someone recently about this. You know, women seem to define themselves more as uh, either in a relationship or between relationships, whereas guys are more likely mm-hmm. to say single. You know, in other words, relationship isn't is, that interesting. You know, yeah. it, it's not a constant mm-hmm. with guys that we have to be in a relationship. So, so how do we get women to a place where they are not devaluing a relationship, but have it be a place where they can Mm. love themselves. Because I don't think guys suffer from not loving themselves. In fact, it's probably just the opposite. (laughs) You know, we get pretty confident. But we have accomplishments to fall back on. You know, if we're not in a relationship, Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I'm not in a relationship. I don't have a girlfriend yet. Um, Might be kind of be interesting because that, I think, would be a lot of fun and would definitely, you know, enhance my life. But it could also take away from my life. So I want to make sure that it enhances my life and doesn't take away from my life. I'd rather not be with someone than be with someone that takes away from my life. Been there, done that, you know, got the t-shirt. Um, but guys, like I say, with our accomplishments, with the things that make us who we are, that we do, whether we're in a relationship or not, that's almost like a, like a safeguard against, you know, becoming anxiously attached because we don't have to be attached to feel good about ourselves. But I think there's a certain mm-hmm. portion of women that do. 
that that is that is somehow in your makeup as women that by defining yourself more with relationship and social relationships and friendships, interconnections, and all the things that the, the wonderful things that, that that you women do, uh, there's there's the shadow side to it, like you say. And how do we, how, you know, guys need to learn about this too. They need to every everybody needs to learn about each other's shadow side. But uh, how do we get from anxious attachment to comfortable attachment to you know, recognizing freedom attachment. And I'm not saying when I say freedom about guys, I don't mean guys cheating. I don't mean guys having open relationships. I don't mean that at all. I mean that they I know don't exactly have so what many. You mean. Yeah, I know, but I want to make sure everybody else does too. But the, the, yeah. the, the, the guy doesn't have to live under so many rules and expectations, especially changing rules and expectations that they're always off guard. They're never sure of what's going on, that they're, that the person is so needy. The woman is so needy that she needs to put conditions on to make sure that the guy doesn't leave, do things or whatever. You know, I think of Carrie Underwood who destroyed her, you know, boyfriend's pickup truck, you know, for cheating. Well, first of all, it's probably a reason that, this, that, that we should analyze that song one day. Cause uh, first of all, there's a reason that the guy cheated, uh, maybe right or wrong. But the second thing is destroying his pickup. is not going to endear this guy to Carrie Underwood. Ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. He's going to call her a psycho and leave. <laughs> okay, so uh, well, better not cheat again. And so, so there's a mess. So, so we should talk about this. This is kind of interesting, actually. So the message for women is: if your guy cheats, you can, you know, destroy his pickup, and it's okay because you're justified. You know, the message for guy is: there's some really so psycho women out there that will destroy your property. Men, yeah, men have yeah, every reason ahead. to think women are crazy because we have so many <laughs> wounded feminine, and, and like we talked about, the shadow of the feminine is control, and so control uh-huh. can look like a lot of things. So, and and mm. and it's very, very frightening for that little girl inside to feel that she doesn't have love and she doesn't have control and any bad things can happen to her and no one's going to protect her. And that's very frightening. And so a frightened hmm. person doesn't behave well usually. And that fear, anger is just fear, um, fear with a wall up, right? So destroying someone's truck is obviously a reaction to the behavior that is extreme. And um, if someone cheated, you are either magnetized. This is probably going to piss people off. I don't care. I mean, I Go do, I don't. But we, we if, do you're that every day. On, right. if you're cheated on, you either didn't notice red flags going into the relationship or you didn't notice red flags during the relationship or you are, the person's needs are not being met. There's not good communication about the needs or there mm-hmm. is communication, yet you're not doing what is needed. So there are reasons people cheat. Women usually cheat. You know, we've discussed this for emotional reasons, being neglected emotionally. And um, men cheat for a variety of reasons. They like, they like sexual variety. They may have low ethical standards or they may feel neglected physically. They're not getting their needs met. Um, but if someone, if you're being cheated on, I mm-hmm. mean, it is highly evolved, highly evolved um, way of thinking to first say what, I mean, for everyone's going to be devastated, you know, most people at first, but then how did I contribute to this? How did I not see this coming? Um, how did I magnetize this experience to myself, right? Mm-hmm. So adjusting, mm-hmm. adjusting your own behavior is one of the first steps in healing, adjusting your own thoughts and your own behavior. It's not trying to, trying to make someone else be different, right? It's, it's figuring out what you did to invite this into your life. How did it get this far with you allowing things to go, right? Not yeah. noticing this is real. We, we magnetize what we believe and we magnetize based on old wounds. Um, well, back to Carrie Underwood, you know, the song assumes that the, the, the woman <laughs> is perfectly right. Well, I, I love doing this because pop culture is, is so informative <laughs> sometimes when you look into it. So, so Carrie Underwood assumes that uh, she was probably cheated on. I bet you she was cheated on. We, we don't know the story, but you know, we, we can we can guess. Um, it's like mm-hmm. uh, who is that uh, the the woman that uh, the, the really popular singer that writes about every bad relationship she ever had? 
You know the one I'm thinking of. They all do. They all write. Okay. <laughs> they all write about how awful love is and how everyone's a jerk and I'm always miserable and he did this and then this mm-hmm. longing pining. I can never get him. I miss him so bad. I mean, it's honestly ludicrous. It gives such bad messaging. But go ahead. <laughs> well, no, it's funny actually. I remember joking around that women write hate songs, guys write love songs. I love you. I want you. Mm. You know, look at all the, look at all the guy songs. Well, Roxanne, you know, uh, it's, it's very rarely it? healthy love songs. It's very rarely well, no. healthy. It's usually. Yeah. Right. Well, we should look at the, We should look at song lyrics sometime. This is kind of fascinating. Anyway, the original point where I started with this was that was that yeah. the, the woman in Carrie Underwood's song assumes that she is absolutely 100 percent right. And the guy is 100 percent wrong. And if she punishes him, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll behave correctly from there on. Well, None of that oh, is true. <laughs> insane. It's insanity. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting. I should write the guy. I mean, the only th- the only thing you can do is walk away and heal yourself. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, you cannot control or change someone else, and you can't make them love you, obviously. And mm-hmm. you know, that's part of the anxious attachment. The goal is to make them love me, make them commit, make them stay. But you can't do that. And the more, and the more mm-hmm. they do, there's an empty hole there, and it's never filled. He can never fill her hole. <laughs> Um, I know, I know what you mean. Anyway, <laughs> even though it's we put the humor is there, yeah. Um, <laughs> In a way to well, satisfy them, you, nobody is satisfied. Yes, he's always feeling it. It's never enough, and she's always wants more and that more validation. And so it's a it's a lose lose. And the avoidant, yeah. we should t- touch on the avoidant because that's the masculine. And again, well, I was going to ask you, what's the shadow masculine? Avoidant. Yeah, what's the shadow masculine co- corollary to uh, anxious attached uh, shadow feminine? Yeah, so so the masculine uh, the masculine side of this is is the avoidant personality, and the avoidant um, the closer the avoidant doesn't believe that emotional connection is that important, and that's simplifying it. But they they don't value that. They more value tasks, and that things are sort of arranged in a certain way, and it seems to work on the surface. Um, so it looks like a know, relationship without actually being one. That's kind of interesting. Well, we coexist, but we're doing our own thing, essentially. You know, I don't want you too close. They, they find the closeness very messy, very threatening. Um, huh. And the anxious wants nothing more than intense closeness, right? So the avoidance yeah. um, is, is emotionally neglectful, to simplify it. And um, it, it's very, even if someone's securely attached, um, it can be very unsettling and and sad to be part of that relationship. Um, uh, You know, a securely attached relationship that, you know, you're a team and there's emotional connection and avoidant personality doesn't really see relationships that way. They're very, very independent and they like their life just so, um, and they don't really want anyone coming in and disrupting it as they see it. They see it as disruptive. Um, uh, yes, yeah, like anybody, well, that's that's yeah. a narcissist thing where anybody else is a threat to the relationship, whether it be family, friends, you know, job, uh, and and the you know the, the more oppressive a relationship gets, the faster the guy is going to try and get away from it and run away, and weird, weird things will happen, you know, drinking with the guys, you know, gambling, cheating, you know, all the things that uh, people do. This it's like, and you're still not dealing with the problem. You got two people that are, are coming from uh, an irrational position, you know, the over-controlling woman mm-hmm. and the, uh, the avoiding guy. So, you know, so the woman says, we have to talk. Well, the, the guys don't like to hear that. You know, no, hey, nobody like, wants to hear but, that. Mm-hmm. But, it's, it, but if you say, hey, I'd really like to talk to you about something, that's a totally different attitude. Well, hey, you know, okay, I have cool. something I on my mind. What, when is a good time for you where we can have? I wouldn't would make it that formal. For you. 
It's like, hey, I got a question. Well, I, okay, fine. What's your question? I, you know, I mean, wh- I why know. do we have to when say we about- have to talk? Mm-hmm. You know, but you see how controlling that is. We have to talk. In other words, I, ha- you have to talk to me. Is what is what that woman's saying? Because usually women say, we well, have it's to talk. very masculine. It's a masculine approach, not to confuse oh. issues. But if okay. you're trying to no, keep right. the polarity, we have to talk is a controlling masculine way to present it. Whereas, hey, honey, I know you've been so busy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I appreciate all you do. There has been something on my mind. So if you have if you mm-hmm. have a time that would work for you for us to sit down together, that would really mean a lot to me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably say. How does that? You know, how does, yeah. let, let's go to brunch. <laughs> you know, let's, or like, let's do something fun. You know, I don't. Can you, yeah. can you talk about things while doing some fun, or is that distracting? I wonder. Huh. It just depends if it's going to be a deep conversation and you're in public. You know, if you feel like a little inhibited from having others around or distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not sure really. But so the, so the avoidance, the anxious will sometimes attempt closeness by, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say this, it's, it's almost, it's not, sub, it's not conscious, but subconsciously creating drama if they're in with an avoidance and nothing seems to quote work. <laughs> so then they'll create some negativity and drama just to get a reaction, just to get some closeness. And what happens, sure. Make um, up sex. if there's anything, well, I wish that would be lovely, wouldn't it? What happens with the avoidance? Um, if uh-huh. there's any negative emotions uh, in their partner, they take it very personally. They retreat right. more. Um, they mm-hmm. distance more. They will, like, climb over the furniture metaphorically to try to get away from um, <laughs> dealing with any negative Well, I don't think it's so metaphorical know, like sometimes. Jumping off I'm, the balcony. I'm sure people have actually, you know, what's that, that, that Paul Simon sign, the 50 ways to leave your lover? Yeah. You know, it's all, it's, they're, all, they're all guy characters, you know, just drop off the key lee and get yourself free. How about the back jack? So, you don't yeah, see, there's no they'll, women they'll, in that song. There's no women in that song leaving their lovers. It's just all guys. I just found that interesting. Little things I think about. Well, yeah, we for sure. Okay. Because it's real. Right. Because um, she got crazy and depended too much on him. And she's mm-hmm. bringing drama. And he's done. So he will absolutely um, detach in any way possible, avoiding any deep conversation, isolating. Mm-hmm. If you live together, if you're married, um, you know, they'll go in the man cave and won't come out. Not partner, and they will not, not even. You know, mm-hmm. so so are people who are just lovers. I mean, just lovers. I mean, I can't imagine that would ever work. You know, you'd have to be lovers it, and friends. You'd have to be lovers and partners. You'd have to be lovers and spouses. But people who are just lovers. I mean, I don't know. I just you know. I don't. Think I it seem like for a strange word. I think they fool themselves. Women fool themselves into thinking they're going to be happy with that. It never works out for them. But you know, prove okay. me wrong. The avoidant will also, um, and this mm-hmm. is very painful, they will often refuse to, to commit. So they'll be the ones that the avoidant partner will be the one that just kind of dangles, uh, maybe does some future talking here and there just to get the pressure off, but doesn't really make a long-term commitment. And again, let me just say, who would to the anxious, who wants to make a long-term commitment for that kind of drama, but it goes both well, ways. So, this is really interesting, yeah, because I've heard of cases of this of uh, women tell me say guys don't care. <laughs> I love this is why I love talking to women because I hear all this really good stuff. But there are women I know who know people or you know, you know a friend of a friend, however many down the line, of uh, they've been living with this guy for three years, four years, five years, seven years, you know, whatever it is, and they're still waiting for that marriage proposal. They're still waiting for that commitment, and the guy's perfectly happy, knowing full well that she wants the marriage or the commitment, and he's perfectly happy to deny that, and that's a form of control too. In other words, he doesn't want to leave, 
but he doesn't want to get married either. He doesn't want the, an actual commitment. He wants to just kind of, you know, c- perpetuate this limbo state. That seems like a dark side yeah. to me too. I couldn't, I could never imagine living with someone that I wasn't intending to marry. Of course, I couldn't imagine living with someone. Exactly. Anyway. Like, like right to the, it's you know, it's I just, kind of I, cruel, I but it, it's yeah. a little cruel, How's that work but out? I believe, well, I believe everyone who's, I believe cruelty isn't usually intentional and it comes from a place of wounding. So yeah, the okay. avoidant um, doesn't want to actually, he, you know, the avoidant might make some flowery discussions in the beginning, but when it actually gets emotional closeness and, and it, what's necessary to have a really good emotionally intimate relationship, like I said, mm-hmm. they pull away. They, um, they tend to have a hard time even saying, I love you. Now that's extreme. Some can um, mm-hmm. they're barely validating their partner, if at all, um, mm-hmm. unable to hear their partner's feelings. So this will be somebody who, if they're not walking out of the room, they're cutting you off as soon as they even imagine you might possibly be saying anything that might reflect on them in any negative way. And, and, and again, this, this, you don't even have to be, they can't even hear sometimes what you're saying because they're so hypervigilant that you're, saying something negative or rejecting because they have their own childhood wounds and there's a reason for why they're so avoidant. But, um, so then to talk about the feelings, they just can't, they can't do it. They'll cut you off. They'll interrupt. They'll change the subject. They might gaslight, um, or just leave somehow either cut themselves off emotionally and and be stonewalling you, just staring at you stoically and cold or, Mm -hmm. um, physically leaving. Yeah. Minimizing any, any frustrations a partner has minimizing or just dismissing it. A lot of times there's addictive behavior here, too, with both of these, with anxious and avoidant, um, escaping your own emotions. You're escaping your internal world because it is so painful. And if someone says or does anything that points the finger at your wounding, you're refusing to see, then mm-hmm. that you have to escape through addiction. And that can be obviously um, social media, shopping, um, workaholism, perfectionism in cleaning the house. The clouds have to be clean. There's no spot of dust anywhere. Everything's perfect. Like there's so many ways to have addictions, and um, but that is that is the coping mechanism for for mm. most. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, that's um, but that goes unsaid. This is fascinating. This is why I love talking to you. Um, drama. Um, mm-hmm. and I made the comment makeup sex. Uh, people. Are, is that an addiction? Let's get about the sex, can we? Obviously, yeah, you know, this, is sex though, this relationship yeah. can have amazing chemistry. So mm-hmm. it's but interesting. Drama. So interesting. The avoidant masculine. Okay. The avoidant masculine may frequently be able to connect only during sex, and frequently can be mind-blowingly hot and passionate. Um, with the anxious. And then won't talk to you. I'm not saying always. <laughs> and, then, and then can't talk to you for the next like eight hours. <laughs> well, they feel that, that the, they feel that they're, yeah, they get their fix of emotional closeness and then, huh. um, and then they're, and then they're good. And, and your anxious is like, wait, so, can you so, talk now? <laughs> so here's a weird thought. So if, if a guy is, this is how he connects emotionally. This is it. Sex, right? So if you blindfolded a guy, you know, and he had sex with who he thought was his partner, and then I don't know how you do this. I'm just, I'm just like spouting off the top of my head here. And then it was told, no, that really wasn't his partner. It was somebody else. What he still, you know, I mean, in other words, if you, if you didn't know whether it was your partner or not, you know, and it was just, uh, just the, the, the sex, would that, would that still create an emotional connection with whoever you happen to be with? And uh, I'm looking for like a controlled experiment here. Is there anything like has ever been done? Mm. It's probably not ethical, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just curious where if the only connection is, is sexual, 
with someone, mm-hmm. would it matter who the partner was? Kind I mean, of yeah, there has to be chemistry. There needs to be okay. chemistry. Right. So there's a reason the anxious and avoidant got together in the first place. On some level, there's a physical attraction, and on some level, there's probably an emotional attraction. However, they just don't have the skills or tools or enough self-love so this to, is, this is like, to make um, it good. This is like Ross Rosenberg's the, the, the human magnet syndrome, uh, mm. narcissist, you know, narcissist and uh, empaths, which would be the more extreme version of what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, I think so. And I, think, I, I do think, and again, this isn't my lane, but I like to discuss anyway, um, I have a feeling that a lot of people who see themselves as empaths may indeed be empaths, but it's actually a skill they've developed because they are hypervigilant to very carefully read others. And, but the underlying motivation isn't necessarily um, to help or it, 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 the underlying motivation is to be safe, to not be rejected, to know how to work the room, to know how to interact, to, no, to, snag, yeah. to snag someone, to snag yeah. someone to, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I feel like there might be empaths who are actually anxiously attached, and maybe it goes together, you know? Not no, everyone, I think so, because but... I, I think I, I've always been very naturally empathic. I sense things. I feel things. Mm-hmm. I think as a talk show host, you almost have to be. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but on the other hand, it's also been a survival skill. So knowing right, that I know how people word, think. Though, like everyone wants to be. It's like a new buzzword. Everyone's calling themselves an empath, you know? And, and again, yeah, I'm not, not. going to minimize that. Yeah, right. It's but a pretty not. strong meaning behind empath, right? Yeah, look it up, folks. Well, gaslighting is another one. Mm-hmm. People are using that very casually. And I used to get after people, you know, yeah, I'm kind of well-versed in narcissism. Yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of well-versed in narcissism, not because I'm a psychologist, but because, you know, I've had so much experience in my life, more than I, anybody really should, uh, that I, 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 know, I know these people. <laughs> I can see them coming a mile away. Uh, and I think that makes me, you know, this is why I, I've talked to, you know, fellow empaths. The empaths that only date empaths. Now, granted, you're never going to make a decision, but you're really going to have a good time because <laughs> <You know? laughs> no one's going to take charge. You, you never decide who's going to go, you know, who's going to pick the restaurant because you, because you're both empaths. You want the other person to decide, you know, because you're. I don't you like that. That would frustrate me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll have like a masculine empath and a feminine empath. But anyway, it's just stuff I drive mm-hmm. around. But let me go back to drama because I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, there are people who thrive on it, who need it, who it's almost like they're their emotional soul food. And uh-huh, I avoid those uh-huh. people like the plague too. Why is that? Why is creating drama necessary for some people? What, what, what do they get uh-huh. out of it? Um, connection. It's, it's an unskillful okay. way to get connection with others, to get themselves validated. Um, okay. It's, it's just lower on the skill level of, of how you interact with others. So hmm. I can create drama for, to, get, to get people to notice me and give me attention to try to get connection with my partner, with my kids, mm-hmm. a desperate cry for help. I'm, I'm panicking. I'm spinning out, and I don't know how else to get support because I have abandoned myself. I don't support myself, and I'm looking hmm. externally for my environment and other people to fill up those wounds, to heal those wounds, to fill me up, to support me. Um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons, but it's, you know, any, I, I believe any drama and reactivity is, is, a, is an unskillful way to try to get needs met. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. I wrote down HOA yeah. presidents. You know, I was thinking about the the, the Karens. <laughs> you know, that uh, your grass is, yeah. is a quarter of an inch too high. You know, your mailbox is is not the right shade of white. You know, there's a control that goes along with this too. And uh, so people were, you know, bosses. You know, you're you're five so minutes unhappy. late. You know, yeah. you know, so 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 people those people women bring are very drama. unhappy, in my opinion. Okay. They're, they're not getting their needs met in their relationships. Um, they need to come to my class, get on the floor in their short shorts, and turn off the lights, and move their body, and sexy dance, and get cheered mm-hmm. by the other women. And then they're going to leave, and they're not going to care so much about that mailbox at all. They're going to be so okay. happy and delighted with their own bodies. Yeah. <laughs> if people can let go, there's so many things that we can let go of. I often wonder if, if you know, if you just think back to when you're five years old, what did you worry about when you were five? You know, dinner. <laughs> you know, whether you're going to get rained on when you're playing outside. I mean, you know, things like that. But you didn't worry about climate change. <laughs> he didn't worry about a lot of different things he didn't worry about. And if the more you can not worry about things you don't have to worry about, I mean, certain things you do have to worry about is nettle. I'm not trying to diminish that, but I think people worry about things for the sake of worrying that, like you say, that they, they, they create drama as a means to an end for something, you know, they'll create drama with a partner because that's their interaction. That's their, their standard mode of, uh, you know, of getting stuff going. I've, I've seen this happen. You know, and you sort of wonder why. It's like, why are you doing this? Why, why, are you, why are you picking a fight with me for no reason? I said, if you want to make up sex, why don't we just go right to the make up sex, forget the argument, and we'll, we'll be a lot happier. <laughs> you know, it doesn't always work that way. Well, because, you know, I don't know. Men can do that. A lot of women really need the emotional closeness to, to have the sex and to get turned on. Yeah, but you um, can have really the emotional focus seen and heard. a bunch of ways. You can do you can yeah. do tantric stuff. You can do the the dance of the seven veils. You can you know go run naked in the woods. I mean, there's probably a million things you can do. You know, mm-hmm. watch the sunset or sunrise. You know, at five in the morning and have a big brunch and then. I mean, know, that sounds some... delightful for me. But there's a lot of there are a mm-hmm. lot of men that won't think of those things and they don't find them meaningful. You know, and um, and there are some men that do. And I think the key is hmm. finding a partner that. That, that it thinks of things like that and, and wants to connect, you know, and, you know, I our avoiding like partners, our avoiding yeah. partners frequently don't feel that emotional connection is their responsibility in a relationship that, and, and they really are Ugh. very comfortable with emotional neglect. They're really just very comfortable in a state of um, independence and emotional neglect. And so um, for the feminine energy in that relationship, it's very um, soul shattering actually. <laughs> But well, um, when you say, well, look at the stars like... at five in the morning or at midnight, that's beautiful. And a lot of women would be grateful to have a man that thought of things like that and that wanted to do that. Oh, I'm one mm-hmm. of those guys, by the way, if, you know, I mean, you know where to find me right here on Action Radio. Um, but see, I love crazy things like that. You know, I, you know I'll, I'll go walk in the rain because it's more interesting, you know, and uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go watch you know, dolphins playing in. Yeah, I'll go watch playing, you know, dolphins playing in the surf because how often do you get a chance to see that? I'll stop, you know, if, if you ever see my armadillo videos, I'll be on a bike ride. I'll, be, I'll take like 15 minutes of an armadillo video. Why? Because they're interesting. You know, and, then, and then some negative person will come along and say, well, yeah, they have leprosy. I was like, what? <laughs> I said, I'm not snuggling no, with it. I'm just I taking know. a Don't picture. Don't you hate that? But there the thing about, but, that will but, like ruin any moment. And there's always something bummer. negative. I mean, yeah. Negative that, Nelly. People see life that to, way. Yeah, and I find it fascinating. Huh. And, and even in the rain, my, my youngest child, since he was tiny, loved to dance in the rain. We didn't create that. He's the only one like that. He would, as soon as it rained, he'd run outside as soon as he could walk and just mm-hmm. shriek with delight. And we intentionally, mm-hmm. I intentionally would, would make sure I never say anything like, oh, shoot, it's raining or anything like that. Because I realized that was his joy. And, okay. um, and if my in-laws, who are, you know, very negative, 
um, you know, and, and my ex-husband, you know, had a little flavor of that and he had to really train himself also because we never want to steal someone else's joy like that, but it's almost right. like a bonding. People use it to bond. They'll literally bond over mm-hmm. negativity. Like I tell you how awful life is and how shitty everything is, and then you agree, and then we, now we we're bonding over negativity. I am so done with it, Greg. I think it's very um, unhealthy. Yeah. But yeah. you know what I'm See, talking I, about. I know exactly bond what you're talking about. Over uh, grieving everything. There's, there's so much. Well, I mean, negative. if you're personally negative, then your relationship's going to be negative. Uh, I mean, that's, oh, Marco's leaving too. So, Marco, thanks very much. Marco's been with us for the whole time. Oh, from the Netherlands? Uh, so, yep. Yeah, he's with us pretty much every day now, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. So, that's we're international. Lovely. I was typing a quick message. But, uh, yeah, because he, he has to, well, we got about three minutes left, but, you know, hey, who cares? We're having fun. Um, but this idea of negativity, I think it, uh, we should, this is worth exploring you know, a lot more because if you're negative personally, how can you be in a relationship? You know, if you see everything is bad. You know, it's, it's, you know, I remember with, with my kid. It's a protective know, uh, mechanism. I believe it's protective mechanism. Interesting. Um, also. But when it was raining, yeah, if everything my, my is, daughter used if everything to go is, play in the mud. You know, it was great. You know, with, so the boots on, she'd go jump in puddles for hours. You know, like two years old. So this is great. We, we, you know, or like leaf piles were, were meant for us to jump in. You know, and uh, just, uh, you know, beach dunes were made to slide down. So we did everything. You know, and but uh, you know, like you can go through life with joy. You can go with life where everything's negative. It's too cold. It's too hot. You know, the car is too Einstein far away. It's too expensive. Two, Einstein Ugh. said that there's two types of people: those who see everything as a miracle, and those who see nothing. Or I don't, I'm probably butchering the quote, but two, you know this quote: there's two types of people in no, the I world. No, I don't. Let's look it up. Yeah, it's, it's Einstein. There's two types of people in the world: those that miracles everywhere and those that never see them or something like that it's well you know what you and i are for sure that's, that's pretty, that's, i know that's, you know, so I, <laughs> I know what i am <laughs> I know exactly and it's such what I a have. lovely way to be in the world and it's such a lovely way and i actually do believe that everyone has that ability and it's all about healing it's all about healing gratitude turning your face towards a spiritual um source of power and just feeling grateful like the 10 wake up every morning and list 10 things you're grateful for and your lens of the world begins to change. It begins to literally change your thought patterns. And before you know it, you're, Mm -hmm. you are noticing beauty everywhere. You've become Mm -hmm. addicted to that versus the complaining and the negativity, right? Uh, No, I agree. I I just, I found the quote mm -hmm. too. It says there are, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is though everything is a miracle. That's the quote. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You know, I, I see everything as a miracle. You know, and and it's interesting. I wonder if the people that have had challenges and, and you know, drama and tragedy and humiliation and embarrassment and betrayal and all those things that, that I've been through. Uh, and I'm by no means the only one. I'm not I'm not claiming any special, you know, exclusion on this. But I see the, I think I see the world more as a miracle, uh, having seen that darker side of it and having seen the psychopaths and the narcissists. And, and the pure evil. Uh, not that I was ever physically hurt or anything like that, but I, evil can be emotional, spiritual. Uh, if you, you, can, you can kill somebody in, in many ways. You don't have to physically kill them. You can destroy them uh, in all kinds of different ways. Parents do that to kids all the time. Uh, and that's what all this healing is about. But I still see everything as a miracle, and I always have. That's the five-year-old in me that's still there. That's, that's the part that I, uh, that I really like. <laughs> you know, that's why I take you know, videos of armadillos for 15 minutes, and someone else says, well, they have leprosy. 
you know, or, or you know, boats are too expensive. Don't go out of them, or it's wet out there, or, you know, or all these things that people. That, it's like they're not living. And how do you have mm-hmm. a relationship if you if you don't see? I mean, a relationship's a miracle, especially if it works. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> that's funny, especially if it works with all these traumas and woundings. And yeah. Well. Yeah, in many well, ways, something this interesting came up, and I, and I have to get off of it, but I just want to throw this out there. Um, yep. and, and, and this is interesting. I'm in a female women's chat group where we talk about relationships and talk about just kind of bouncing off of each other. And it's usually very deep, you know, very deep, very, um, mm-hmm. you know, psychologically based, just, you know, patterns. But this week, a woman was, she was a little shy to say this because we just thought, we, you and I were just talking about how, what a miracle it is if they work out. Even if everything's in place, um, she had a great connection for eight months with a guy, but the genital size was incompatible. And, um, and so she got some flack from some women. You're so, oh, that's so shallow. Da, 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 da. You know, what if he said your boobs were too small? Or what if he said your, you know, your butt's too big? And, and her take was, I've thought about this, ladies, and I can't do anything. I literally, it's not compa- we're not compatible down there. And um, some of the wiser women mean? were actually uh, some of the wiser women means? were actually saying absolutely that's important to be compatible in that area also. And if it's important to you, then that's okay. That's you have to know that and move forward. Um, just sometimes, you know, general size and compatibility, right? That's oh, all. okay. Okay, yeah. got it. Someone's a you little, know, so, you know, someone's right. maybe bigger, and and it's not a good feel for the other person, and someone's. With you the know, three bears, too big, too small, and, and just right. You know? yeah. So, yeah, there are yeah, just so. right for everyone, even in that department. I really think. Well, so. listen, this, this um, is just right with with uh, with uh, pheromones and smell. So, you know, a friend of mine said, you know, she wouldn't go out with guys that didn't smell right. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's that basic because everybody has. Mm, has I like you that. Know, the, trust me, if you don't like the the aroma of your partner, you're not going to be together. And it's it's I that's think our. That's, that's wise, also. There's yep. a lot to be said for that in chemistry because chemistry mm-hmm. and compatibility, you have to have both. Well, right? literally is chemistry. I mean, that, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, scent and, and glands and the whole bit. But if we can just kind of sum up here, but I really believe, and we should talk more about this, that the belief in miracles, that the, the, the you know, the half full versus half empty, that if you're a constant pessimist, the only people who are going to be able to tolerate you are other constant uh, pessimists because, you, you know, you're the misery that loves company and you're going to be each other's company. Whereas those that believe in miracles, the other ones are having the fun. They're the ones that are, you know, not taking the cruise ship where everything's done for you. They're on the same ship at a 45-degree deck angle, going, you know, still feeling miserable. But it's like, we're on a sailing ship. Isn't this great? You know, that, that's me. I could be thrown up over the side and go, you know what? I really like this boat ship. This is fun. This is different. But that's just how I see it. I love it, too. And this is how I try to see life also. Mm-hmm. And, it's, you know, it's important to me as a woman to have other people around, a supportive network. Because if I'm mm-hmm. around too many negative people, it really does. It's like a gravity mm-hmm. yanking me down. So yeah. I've actually, you know, discovered that this past year and had a really wonderful group around me. Um, but on that note, I have a little boy that would like some French toast. He's hungry. And that's my commitment yeah. to him at 11 o'clock. Of course. So, no, let's um, get your contact information. And also, delightful. I just want to say that if you, if you need a guy for your, your women chat groups, I'm more than happy to be the only guy and just you know, give you a guy yeah. point of view. So generous. See what they say. Yeah. These yeah. are a lot Could of single, successful ladies. <laughs> um, well, uh, okay, so. I'm open. I told you. <laughs> I, I, I'm conv- you're going to find me my next girlfriend. I'm absolutely convinced of this. So, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> just don't make the commute too big because you're in a different state. <laughs> so we got to work on that. I don't think long distance <laughs> is ever a good idea in a relationship. Okay, so my, I'm, uh, my um, contact is... Uh, 
DorothyDiana at YoniYoon.com. My website is Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N, and I'm on Facebook, and always happy to chat. I have a variety of topics I post from health and detox to conspiracy theories that always end up coming true to feminine sensuality and sexuality, which is my playground, which I love, and I lead women's groups in private. And that's about it. Sounds good. Oh, we don't call them uh, conspiracy <laughs> theories on, on Action Radio anymore. We call them ongoing investigations. That's right. That will probably end up being true because it seems like all of them do. But mm-hmm. okay, on that note, I will talk to you soon. It's been delightful. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Ellen. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have you on, and I can't wait for our next chat. So I'll talk to you next week. Me too. All okay, right. bye-bye. Look for miracles. All right, see you later. And there we go. This has been uh, Mondays. Mondays are incredible around here. You know, I, I think I, I start a little disorganized. You know, it's the beginning of the week. I haven't done the show for a couple of days, you know, and uh, it makes a difference. It really does make a difference. You take a couple of days off radio and you feel it. It just, uh, you know, but once we get going, once the topics get going, of course, I had Josh uh, was immediately there, you know, when the show started this morning. That makes life easier, too. <clears throat> but, but between, um, you know, Pianchi and Josh and uh, Jonathan and uh, Dorothy, uh, this has been pretty wild. Uh, things going on this week. You should know that Robert Francis Kennedy is going to be before Congress on Thursday. I can't wait for that hearing. Um, and uh, making a little video tomorrow uh, from the animal shelter. So you'll be able to see that Facebook Live, too, from Santa Rosa County, Florida. Animal shelter. You'll be able to see all the critters and uh, see Tara D., you know, the person that I talked to on Friday mornings. That's really all I have for this week. We're pretty open this week. It's summertime. Everybody's on vacation doing stuff. But uh, you know me. Action Radio never sleeps. There's always something to do here. And I'll be back tomorrow morning with uh, Brianna Cannon uh, for Government Inquiry uh, 7 and uh, Jesse Cossie for the Latino Report at 8 and 9 o'clock. Yeah, I always have one open hour where I can uh, do stuff I want to talk about. And we'll see you all tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central, when we do it all again. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate Free Speech Zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Right your laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy, 
Radio.com. Start your engine. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. 
So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.